Hi, my name is Camille Mitchell. I've been Sheriff Adams on Smallville. I've got two Hallmark movies coming up soon. And you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that is just about surviving the heatwave. Who am I kidding? I am half dead. I've lost about a stone in sweat. I think you wanted to hear that. My name's Craig, I'm your host, and we're here to talk about all of, yes, that's right, every single piece of news that was released in July. We're going to talk about it all. If you don't hear it in this discussion, it's not real. It's fake news. So there it is. To talk through all this stuff with me, I've got Chris this month. Hello, Chris. Hello. How's it going? Doing great, thanks. It's nice to be back on. I feel like I've not done one of these in ages. Yeah, I wonder what your last one is. <laughs> when I had Andrew on last month, we were trying to figure out what his last podcast was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it has been a while. Maybe it was the last monthly one you were on that was the last one that you did. I don't know. It might have been like our last sort of COVID catch-up. Yeah, Yeah, well, no, it's regular format catch-up. It's not a COVID catch-up yeah. anymore. So before we get into the meat of our discussion, let's find out what we've all been watching and if there's anything to plug as well. So what have you been watching? What's been gracing your TV screen these days? A lot of the regular CW stuff is on at the moment. So been watching a bit of Legends of Tomorrow, been enjoying that, been really enjoying Superman and Lois as well. I think you've been watching that too, because I've seen your reviews up on the website. So yeah, I've been enjoying both of those really. The Legends... As much as usual, actually, but it's still a lot of fun. And then, obviously, the big one that's been on recently, Loki, has just finished a week ago or so. Really enjoyed that. Cool. So that's been your lot in television life. Yeah. I've also started a couple of things. So I started Mythic Quest on Apple TV because I've been told it's up my street and it is so far. Really enjoying it. And one of my regular watches, my guilty pleasures, I watched the latest season of NCIS. And Gibbs got the boat out of his basement. Spoiler alert. Sorry, everyone. Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. You need to watch like 12 seasons worth of NCIS to find out. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll start tonight. I promise. <laughs> cool. That's pretty good. I've been watching a lot of the CW stuff as well, as with every month. So Legends, yep, reviewing it, enjoying it. Superman and Lois, reviewing it, enjoying it. The Flash just finished. Loki just finished. The Loki podcast is... In the edit suite as we speak, and it will be listed when I get it done, basically, whenever that is. <laughs> Let's hope it's pretty soon. It may actually be done by the time this goes out. I don't know. It depends how the next few days go for me, but it's getting there. The reviews are all there if you're bursting to know what I thought. Anyway, so have a read of those. What else have I been doing? I watched Black Widow when it came out, went to the cinema to see it. I enjoyed it. It was good. The podcast is up to date as of recording. So listen to that. And I reviewed it. It was good to see a Marvel movie on the big screen again. It was good. That it was a good one. A year out of date. We were left waiting a long time, but it was good. Feels like almost normal to be sitting watching a Marvel movie on the big screen. Hear that fanfare blasting out <laughs> of the IMAX speakers. It was like coming home again. 
It was nice. I want to see that so bad, and I've just not had the chance yet. I was lucky enough to be able to go away on a couple of weeks' holiday, but it happened around about the same time as Black Widow coming out. So it was a bit like, no, I'm like miles away from the decent cinema, and I can't see Black Widow yet. It's on my list. I really want to go. I've got to get myself sorted. I've got to book it and actually make time to go to the cinema, which I've not had to do in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I also watched Space Jam, which I actually didn't hate remarkably. I thought it was all right. (laughs) I was expecting a bit of Ready Player One with obnoxious product placement or obnoxious franchise placement, just like the trailer suggests. But it's not, actually. There is one sequence where they go and round up the the gang, the tune squad, where they fly around the serververse, as it's called. And then you get things like Roadrunner and Coyote and Man Max Fury Road and... Granny and the Matrix and things like that. And those are pretty entertaining and creative sequences. The game itself at the end is chaos because there are no rules. And then I kept looking in the background to see the intellectual property that I might recognise. I'm like, is that Batman? Is that those from Clockwork Orange? Is that who that is? Oh, it's King Kong. And I'm just, oh yeah, there's a game on in front of me. So that's incredibly distracting. (laughs) But it's all right. LeBron James as an actor is a pretty good basketball player. But the kid playing his son is very good. And our friend, our friend, Sonequa Martin-Green from Discovery, she's in it as well. Oh, cool. She plays LeBron James's wife. I presume she's not his wife in real life, although I don't know that for some. <laughs> I haven't researched it. It is one that I had kind of written off as, I'll watch it when it eventually drops on some streaming service or on Channel 4 or Film 4 one night or whatever. It'll be one of those Sunday afternoon films that comes on, I think. But maybe I will go into the cinema and see it and take a chance. And I'm actually wearing a basketball t-shirt today. It's all coming together. I'm wearing a Philadelphia 79ers t-shirt today. 79ers? 76ers. 76ers, there we go. I'm reading upside down. It doesn't help. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure, but I don't think LeBron James plays for them. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. I bought the t-shirt when I was in Philadelphia. That was it. (laughs) Seems fair. I can't even remember what's written on the front of it, and I'm having to look at it and squint to read the numbers. (laughs) Would I recommend necessarily going to the cinema to see it? Probably not, but I didn't hate it, and that's about the best I can say about it. I actually gave it three stars when I reviewed it, which is maybe a little bit generous, but I was so stunned by how little I hated it that I was maybe feeling a bit generous. That's all I've really seen cinema-wise. I haven't seen them yet, but I've got tickets booked for The Suicide Squad and Jungle Cruise, both of which I'm really looking forward to. That is this weekend as of time of recording, so I'll tell you what I thought of them next month when I round up on what I've been watching. Let's move on to a bit of plugging. Have you got anything to plug for the fine listeners? Not really, just my usual. On the radio, Sundays, 12 until 2 on Black Diamond FM. My usual hiding place. Your usual hiding place. And you do a thing on a Tuesday evening with some other thing. I do. I help out in the background. So if you're into the computer game Elite Dangerous, then I help out in the background of Live Radio, which broadcasts on a Tuesday night at 8.30 UK time. Twitch.tv forward slash Live Radio, if you want to catch that. Link in the show notes. You can check that out. (laughs) For me, plugging just the usual stuff. A few interviews that I've done. I interviewed the star and the director of... uh, Steam Interactive Adventure is a film. They're not animated in any way called Nightbook. It was really good. Well, it was really good that once I played it and got a really bad ending. (laughs) I enjoyed it. And talking to the lead actress, Julie Dre, was excellent. The director, Alex Lightman, really cool. 
And there's a bunch of other interviews up on the site that I did recently that you can check out. I had a really good chat with a guy who appears in a couple of scenes in the, for us, in the UK, upcoming G.I. Joe Snake Eyes Origins movie. For anyone else in the world, it seems, you can watch that now in the cinema. We're being made to wait a month, which is cruel, I think. I don't know why that is, but we're being made to wait a month for this. You need to earn the Snake Eyes movie, Craig. You need to earn it. You need to want it and earn it. Well, I talked to someone who was in it. Is that not enough? No, it's not enough. Oh, well. That's a shame. A lot of work went into that movie. You've got to wait. And in that waiting, it'll be even better when you see it because you'll be so desperate for it. Or it'll be spoiled to buggery and then <laughs> I'll be really upset because I already know everything that's going to happen. But we'll see. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it anyway. So that's a few people that I've talked to recently. Really enjoyed those chats. So have a listen to them. They've got good chat. They're interesting to listen to. That's me for plugging. Let's move on to the trailers of the moment. There are a bunch of them. We have a few to talk about. Let's start with June. There's a new trailer for June. It's coming out in cinemas later this year. We're almost certain. And I think this looks amazing. I think this trailer is heavier on the action than the film will be, which is probably misrepresenting what the film will be to a large extent. I have read the book, the first book anyway, but it was a very long time ago, so I don't really remember it that much. But great cast, visuals are incredible, a great mood that the trailer sets. It seems that they've nailed that. My biggest concern is Denis Villeneuve is known for making high-budget films that don't make any money, a la Blade <laughs> Runner 2049, so that could stop this in its tracks, even though they've had the confidence to call it part one. So we'll see how that pans out. But I'm really looking forward to this. I think it looks amazing. I just think anybody who's listening who expects it to be a big action fest, it probably isn't going to be. Just bear that in mind. So what did you think of this trailer? Oh my God, it just looks epic, doesn't it? As a trailer, the size and the scale. I want to see that trailer on the big screen. Never mind the film. I'll take the trailer on the big screen. You'd be like those weird people at Star Wars who buy tickets to watch the trailer like six times. Yes, 100%. If I go and finally get my tickets to see Black Widow and the trailer for June does not come on before it, I am going to be really disappointed. It is half of the first book this film. It isn't even the full first book. This is half of the first book. All the money is on screen. It looks stunning just from the shots that they've put in the trailer so far. The shots of the sandworms, the ships, the costumes, they all just look ridiculously brilliant. And what a cast that he's managed to pull in as well. What a really good cast. You got to see a lot more of Jason Momoa than we've seen in the material so far and also a bit of Zendaya in there. And I know that her character doesn't really pick up until the second half of the book i would say so it looks like they're manipulating it a little bit to put her into sort of dream sequences and stuff in advance and to throw a little bit of backstory in for her to kind of justify that early appearance i'm kind of for that i I think it'll work i'm a bit worried like you i am the same as you when it comes to the amount of money this film has cost from the cast alone and the CGI and the filming budget and everything, this has got to make, when it comes out, all of the money. I have the feeling if it doesn't make all of the money, we aren't going to get to see the rest of it and I'm going to be really (laughs) disappointed. Really, really disappointed. Some of the blame will be put on the pandemic. Some of it might be people burned from seeing too many part ones where it's all set up 
and nothing pushing forward. With this, at least you know that there is a plan, there is further story because it's based on a series of books. It's not like they're going into it blind and doing a lot of setup, but then giving you nothing at the end of it. We know there's a payday at the end. It just depends on if people are willing to sit through that first bit. And they might rock it up a bit. They might do some action flashbacks or things when they're introducing characters to maybe try and engage audiences a little bit earlier than you do in the books. The books, the initial chapters or the initial half is a lot of oh it's all going to go wrong it's all going to go terribly wrong we don't know when but it's all going to go horrible (laughs) so it'll be interesting to see i think yeah it'll be very deliberately paced because the book is and that's his style anyway as a director blade runner 2049 takes a long time to Mm. make its way through its story which is fine and i'm not talking everybody but i think a lot of people when it comes to science fiction have come to expect fast-paced spectacle which is not what this will be. And the current trailer selling it as that because there's a lot of focus on the big mass army battles and all the gunfights and all the sword fights and all that stuff. There's a lot of focus there, which leads me to think that they are trying to get people into the theatre based on that. And then if you walk in expecting that and then you've got, I don't know, two and a half hours of film where the action's few and far between, that might turn people off. They might come out of it saying, well, that was really boring because of Mm. what they were expecting. I know what to expect from it, so it won't impact me, but there is that fear. And I think that a lot of trailers for stuff like this do misrepresent what the audience is going to get out of it. And as you say, for something of this budget, it really needs to make its money back. Otherwise, they won't do it again. Yeah, it's definitely that. And it almost needs repeat viewers I think, in order to make its money, and I don't know if it'll get that, especially during the situation that we're sitting in at the moment. As far as films being misrepresented, there's actually one coming up later on that I think has probably done an element of that as well, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Well, I have no idea what you mean, so that's a good tease for something Yeah, tease, tease, tease. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's move on then. I'm going to say this now because I've noticed it so late that I haven't put it on the notes. So Bond, it's got a new release date. <laughs> October 8th now, which is... <laughs> oh no. How many release dates? How many moves has it had since that initial April one where we had tickets booked? We had tickets. We were a month away. We, we had were tickets. so close. So close to yes. getting to go and see it as a big Neil Before Pod group and we didn't get the chance. Yeah, there was four of us going... There was plans for mediocre pub burgers before, plans for a couple of pints before, plans for shall we order the dessert an hour before the film starts and then get it two minutes before the film starts. <laughs> That's such an esoteric thing for me to bring up, but in the place that we would normally go before we would watch films at the cinema, it's next door at the cinema, so very convenient. They can bring you out a burger in like two minutes. But if you order a dessert, ice cream, it's ice cream. All they have to do is move the ice cream from the container to a plate or something. And it takes an hour most of the time. The thing is, we would need to test how long it takes them to do a vodka martini shaken but not stirred. That's the (laughs) ultimate test, isn't it? 
I don't think they would do that for you. As we sit there in our local, and our tuxedos ready to go into Bond. <laughs> yeah, well, it's more likely to be Heineken with the Daniel Craig franchise, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so there was a new trailer. It seemed like a new trailer. It was actually the old trailer, at least on the video I found, tacked on to a quick button that said, it's coming out in October, maybe. So there's some new footage. I think I've said before, and I've said it a few times, I'm not keen on this film. I don't like the look of it. It's hard to determine what I'm going to get from it just by watching this. And I keep saying, after seeing Mission Impossible, watching Daniel Craig's stuntman jump off a bridge while attached to a rope seems a bit underwhelming these days. (laughs) That's true, actually. I didn't think of it like that. Mission Impossible has just gone so far with these kind of spy films that, yeah, Bond now can sometimes seem a little bit more plain. But maybe that's its niche. Kind of a dull niche to be in. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I wouldn't say that Bond is dull. It's just that a lot of the stunts that they can do have been topped. Even Mission Impossible must be hitting that wall now. When they're sitting, planning stuff out and go, oh, what can we do that's going to top hanging off the world's tallest building or being strapped to the side of a cargo plane or free climbing up a canyon? I don't know. I'm sure Tom Cruise is actually filming in space next, so that's what they can do next. Yeah, I mean, that's the only next step, isn't it? That they are going to film in space. I'm sure he's probably already done the vomit comet kind of thing before, so the only one I can think he can do now is actually go into orbit. That's a Saturday night for Tom Cruise. He just gets in the vomit (laughs) comet in his own house and he's like, whatever, this is nothing. (laughs) could see him doing it. You really could. Yeah. As far as the Bond date moving, I don't know. It seems ominous, isn't it? Like you said, Bond was like one of the first ones that moved. And at the time, there was a lot of chuckling. And I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before. There was a ton of chuckling of, <laughs> imagine moving it out of the way because of this. Oh, they must really want the money in China because at the point, COVID, it was sort of isolated in China. So, oh, they obviously want the Chinese market to fund the film. And, oh, they've pushed it really far out the way. I think when they originally moved it, was it November or October that they moved it to originally? Something like that, yeah. It was around about the same time. It was something like an October date, and it's just been permanently shuffling back the way. I don't know. I mean, in all the time that they've had now, they've probably managed to convince Daniel Craig to sign on for another four films. He's probably loving this, because by the time it comes out, it'd be way too old to do it again. Okay, so that's Bond. That's that. Let us move on. The next trailer is Demonic. There's another trailer for that. I think me and Andrew talked about it. No, me and Angus talked about it two months ago. Basically, Neil Blomkamp's new horror film. There's a bit more in this trailer than there was in the last one. There's some kind of computer simulation, but also demonic possession. There's some weird visual stuff going on. It looks really interesting, looks really weird, looks really mysterious. looks really cool. I'm, I'm hyped for it. I think it looks pretty damn good. And if there's anyone that can creep you out with a demonic possession type thing it's going to be neil blomkamp at least we'd hope so yeah so i'm not sure about this one how much you said in the last podcast so apologies if i'm going over old ground so this was my first time watching the trailer when i was scribbling my notes earlier on and the initial bit it opens up and it's about someone's mum on a rampage inside a therapy simulation and i'm like that is a really interesting concept that's really good. And then obviously someone going in to try and pull them back out of this situation and it all being a bit weird and wacky inside there. And then there's a Vatican black ops unit in this same trailer. <laughs> and I'm like, hang on, what? There's a what? <laughs> Is this the same film? 
Did I watch two trailers back to back? It's like two films where they've went, oh, uh, this is uh, Gary. Gary has this great script idea, which is a mum on a rampage inside this therapy program. Over here is Simon. Simon's script is a Vatican Black Ops unit that goes in and stops demonic possessions. What we're going to do is we're going to merge the two films. It's so weird. I don't understand. I was really interested in the first film, and I'm really interested in the second film. What I'm not too sure about is how you smash those two things together to make a whole. And that's what the trailer's getting at, isn't it? How are these two things connected? So we've got a bit of techno thriller stuff and a bit of demonic possession horror stuff. How do the two combine? It seems like you've got the demonic thing is inside the machine. It then hops into the person that goes in to save their mum. She comes out. She's now possessed in some way. And there you end up with the Vatican Black Ops unit chasing them down. I don't know. It seems nuts. Maybe I will love it. Maybe I will hate it. But from the trailer, I just don't understand how this is two films. Because I'm, I'm interested in both. I just don't know if you can do two of those stories justice at the same time. Well, we'll find out at some point when it comes out. Let's move on to something a little less demonic. We have a bit (laughs) of a Lin-Manuel Miranda, unless you consider Lin-Manuel Miranda to be demonic, which some might, I don't know. So we've got two things that he's involved in. The first is on Netflix. It's called Vivo. We have a music video of a pretty catchy song with a monkey singing about stuff. And I liked it. I like the song. It's a Netflix thing, which means I probably will never watch it. I tend not to get around to ever watching the Netflix original stuff. It is a sickness that I cannot get over, so probably won't watch this. But I like the song, and I like the visual style. There is a message about friendship in there. Friendship through music, teaching people to sing, teaching people how to cope with things through song, that kind of stuff. It's all very nice and fluffy and pleasant, so... Good on you, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And if you like his music, you'll probably like this. I don't hate his music, but I also don't love his music, so I like some of it and not others. So this seems to be in the I like it camp. Yeah, I found this catchy. First of all, a singing monkey wearing a hat. Yes. Yes, definitely. That ticks all the animation boxes, doesn't it? That's what you want. Singing monkey in a really cool-looking hat. Catchy number. From this video, I've got no idea about what is going on in this film whatsoever apart from the fact that there's a singing monkey that's pretty much it and crocodiles that don't really care that much about getting their grub it looks good netflix animation kind of won me over with mitchell's and the machines or mitchell's v the machines i don't know if you've had the chance to see that yet see above where i talk about netflix originals well you should watch that i highly recommend the mitchell's v the machines it is just ridiculously stupid and i had a lot of fun watching that so if you're not convinced about the netflix animation stuff and you've not seen it yet you have my permission to pause the podcast go away watch that for two hours come back and unpause the podcast i'd like to put on the record that he does not represent the permissions that people <laughs> have when listening to the podcast Please listen to the rest of this and then go do it. <laughs> so Vivo, someone might watch it. You might. You can let I me might. Know, I guess. Next up for Lin-Manuel Miranda is a Disney thing called Encanto, where you've got a really strong woman lifting... What's she lifting? She's lifting two things that people shouldn't really be able to lift. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. That's annoying. I watched it a few hours ago. Is it not like barrels and wardrobes and benches and all sorts of stuff, I think, that we get to see through the trailer. Yeah, she lifts a bunch of things. So there's stuff about strength in there. There's stuff about finding music just in everyday life, which is 
a thing that Lin-Manuel Miranda did in, in The Heights, which is a film that I saw that I quite enjoyed. It's all about how do you make music out of your surroundings, the footsteps on the ground and all that stuff. I like the idea. I'm not quite sure what the message is based on this, other than be yourself, which is a common Disney thing. But again, it looks sunny. It looks pleasant. It looks appealing and could be worth a watch. Yeah, it seems sort of charming and high energy, doesn't it? It's like a a musical, magical house. Because the house is sort of adapting all around them as they're interacting with it. The coffee is making itself. I love a world where coffee makes itself. That sounds like my perfect place. (laughs) It's sort of all the family in the house have gifts apart from one person. (laughs) And I'm guessing the old Disney thing of, you've just not discovered your talent yet, and here's why you're special kind of thing. I think it's one of the lines that finishes the trailer, or it's just towards the end of the trailer, is maybe your gift is denial, which I love. (laughs) It just made me hoot when I watched the trailer. It looks a lot of fun. It's not necessarily in my wheelhouse, but sure, it's a nice-looking trailer. Yeah, Disney have been doing quite well recently with various things. Things like Moana, for example, were pretty excellent. So I'm keen to see what this will be like. And Lin-Manuel Miranda is bloody everywhere. The man can't stop. (laughs) He can't turn over a rock without coming across one of his things. So if you like him, again, it will all be predicated on whether you enjoy his music or not, which not everybody does, obviously. Not everybody can enjoy the same thing. Obviously, Disney want to work with him and Netflix want to work with him and whoever else so cool good for him and this could be a good one we shall see i will probably watch it when it becomes available however it becomes available whether they decide to release it in cinemas or just dump it on disney plus who knows it may already be out by the time that you listen to this i don't know i didn't check the release date moving away from disney we're on to the last jewel which is a film written by ben affleck and matt damon directed by ridley scott as adam driver in it it's got knights it's about historical events it's all that historical dueling type situation it's not really my sort of thing usually i don't know why period pieces from that era just don't tend to grab me and i find ridley scott films to be a bit difficult these days something like the martian was amazing but there's other things of his that i've seen that i've been a bit iffy on so Based on this trailer, it looks energetic enough, it looks high-budget enough, it looks authentic enough, but I don't know if it's going to be for me, to be honest. It's based on true historical events, and I guess we'll see. It'll be another two-and-a-half-hour thing that Ridley Scott makes, very probably, and I reckon that they're dialing up the action for the trailer when there'll be very little action, or much less action in the actual film itself. This is the one that I was talking about earlier on when we were talking about Dune and dialing up action for trailers i have the feeling that in this trailer you see all of the jewel that you will see (laughs) during the film i have the feeling that they've used all those shots in the trailer and that's it it opens really bleak i think it's going to be a bit of a slog i kind of have that feeling just from the trailer alone again we're going by trailers so i always say with trailers it might be the most fantastic thing in the world it looks like there's some strong performances going on in it there's proper emotions in this trailer but it doesn't look like it's for me i guess yeah it's probably not for me either i'll decide when it comes out whether i can be bothered going to see it or not watch this space i suppose next up speaking of netflix original movies that i probably won't watch we have sweet girl which is a jason momoa film where He's looking for some medicine, damn it. And after trying to phone up and ask for the medicine, 
he then decides to go punch everybody until he gets it. That's basically what the trailer tells me. Looks all right. I like Jason Momoa. He's engaging. He's charismatic. He's fun to watch. It looks like it's got some decent action stuff in it. I get the feeling it's going to be one of those Netflix middle of the road quality type things where you're not really supposed to pay that much attention to it. It's just supposed to wash over you. But who knows? It might be the best thing ever. Based on the trailer, I think it looks okay. It looks like a pretty decently made action movie. And there's a bit of an emotional hook to it with the I want medicine and I'm going to punch everyone in the world until I get it type plot. So, yeah, looks cool. He jumps off a roof at one point. If you want to see Jason Momoa jump off a roof, this could be the film for you. This, again, is another one that feels to me like it was two scripts that were shoved together where someone went to Netflix pitching a heartfelt drama about a husband fighting pharmaceutical companies in order to get drug patents thrown away to make drugs cheaper and got turned into an action film partway through. If you take the opening parts of this trailer, it looks like it's that kind of film. And then by the end of it, yeah, it's Jason Momoa getting chased by the FBI ambulances exploding in the middle of the road, helicopter chases. How does it get from the heartfelt phone call to a pharmaceutical company to a helicopter chase across rooftops? That is the question. Yeah, it's a husband calling into a chat show in grief, arguing with the head of a pharmaceutical company about the fact that they're paying off competitors to stop cheaper versions of their drugs hitting the market. And it turns into the FBI chasing Jason Momoa. I'm interested to find out. It has the feeling that it could be, like you say, one of these sort of mid-tier action movies. I like Jason Momoa. I think that's enough to make me watch it, really. But again, I don't know if people are pitching these scripts in the same meeting and they're getting mashed together. It just seems very odd. Our algorithm has decided if we combine these two concepts, we will have 10% more engagement. We heard the words fighting pharmaceutical companies and we hired Jason Momoa. <laughs> now that we've hired Jason Momoa, we kind of feel that we need to go more action-y with this than we originally planned. How far are you willing to take fighting the pharmaceutical giant? <laughs> <laughs> I would actually love to see a really heartfelt drama starring Jason Momoa where he's trying to get the story out about how he needs these life-saving drugs to save his daughter's life or whatever it is. And he's just appearing on all these chat shows and making everybody cry. But he's Jason Momoa. <laughs> Giant tattooed muscly guy sitting on these chat shows just making the nation cry. I would love to see that film. Just with no action beats whatsoever. He gets in no fights throughout this entire film. There could be a bit where someone squares up to him and stop playing the sympathy card and he's about to punch him, but doesn't. Yeah, That's he resists. Film. I would love to see that one. You and me both, but I think we'd be the odd ones out in whichever focus group that Netflix ran in. <laughs> I think I'd be doing that just to mess up the focus group so that people would get <laughs> useful analytics as to what people want to watch. They would just be going, yeah, see those two guys just throw their ideas out. They were already angry when the Vatican had their own hit squad. It's not going to work. They're not going to like the fact that Jason Momoa is physically fighting the pharmaceutical giant. They really want a heartfelt, emotionally punchy drama starring Jason Momoa for some reason. I'm thinking maybe that will be the finale of this film is it'll be a literal pharmaceutical giant. It'll be massive <laughs> pill bottles and medical machinery that's all combined so that Jason Momoa can punch it. Could be. We'll see. Well, I might not. <laughs> don't tend to get around to watching Netflix movies. Yeah, but I might watch this. I don't know. I really don't know. We'll see what happens when it comes out and whether I can be bothered. Next up is Don't Breathe 2. 
is a sequel to Don't Breathe, a film about a blind guy stalking people in his house. They break into his house and he stalks them and tries to kill them. And there's this whole... Th- I'm not going to spoil what the end of the film is, but there, it goes to a weird place. And also, it seems that a lot of the prevailing chat on the back of the first Don't Breathe is, wow, this guy is old and has white hair and is muscly. He could play Cable in Deadpool 2. And then he didn't. Stephen Lang, he was fan favourite bit of casting for Cable before Josh Brolin was cast. It's almost one of those situations where the fans have deemed it so that someone's going to play a comic book character. So the van comes round, they get bundled in, and suddenly they're this character for the next 10 years. It didn't happen with Stephen Lang. He escaped it, so... Well done him. But this is the sequel to Don't Breathe. To me, it looks like more of the same. Again, people running around in the dark as a blind guy with enhanced hearing and smell and so on chases them down and tries to kill them. Did we need another one of these? No, we didn't. But we've got another one of these. And it looks okay for what it is, but at the same time, we've already had this. (laughs) So I don't think I need another one. First one was good, though. I've got to admit, I've not seen the first one, so I don't know. Maybe I'll watch the first one and then decide whether I'm going to continue on and decide not to watch this one yeah (laughs) did you watch the trailer for this one at least i did watch the trailer yeah it looks all right but yeah like i say i've not seen the first one so not got the same tie to it that others might i don't know if anybody's really tied to it first one was a while ago so the fact that we've got another one is a bit strange but we have it and it's coming out and whatever it might be good okay next thing is not really a trailer although there is a trailer in it we have the first foray for Deadpool into the MCU sort of, where him and Korg from Thor, Ragnarok and Avengers Endgame sit and talk about the Free Guy trailer, which stars Ryan Reynolds. The Free Guy trailer is the most recent one, which we talked about on a more recent news roundup, I think. So they just sit there and comment on it and it's quite funny and Ryan Reynolds just making fun of himself and poking fun of himself and asking how he gets in the MCU. I really liked it. I thought it was a nice little bit and what he says to Korg a preferred dark world and things like that. And here's the kind of film that you get in a Fox fire sale. It's just this <laughs> holdover from the Fox Disney merger that hasn't been out yet. I liked it. That was good fun. I'd like to see Deadpool react to more trailers. I'd love to see Deadpool react to more stuff. I actually want to see the one that he teased at the beginning, which was him watching the Cruella trailer with a Dalmatian. That I want to see. <laughs> I want to see the full version of that, not just the clip. I want the full version. <laughs> Definitely. Where are the dogs? <laughs> yeah. The lines between Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool are blurring significantly at this point. <laughs> I think it's great. It's a lot of fun. And the Free Guy trailer is good. I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. I think it's a good concept. And getting him and Korg together, especially with Taika being in the film, makes sense. It finally clicked with me. I'm like, why have they got Korg? And I'm like, oh, yeah, because the director, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, got it, got it, got it. Finally clicked in my head because when I was first watching it, I'm like, of all characters, why have they got Korg sitting next to Deadpool? It took me longer to put it all together than it really should have. (laughs) I've not been running that well recently. Until they obviously pointed out that Taika Waititi is indeed in the film. Yes, until they obviously pointed it out and I'm sitting there going, ah, Okay, okay, now I get it. And the line, how do you get in the MCU? Have a dream, chase it, sabotage it, love it. Yeah, it was good. It was good fun. But yes, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. Is there any difference? I suppose Ryan Reynolds that we know of doesn't kill people that we know of. Maybe he does. Keeps it hidden. Yeah, I think the lines between the two are blurring. I think you've got to fill in your own blanks from that. Agreed. Next up is a Blade Runner anime called Blade Runner Black Lotus, which is... 
in Japanese, at least the trailer is. I didn't realise that. Subtitled. Animation looks really good. It's nice to see the Blade Runner world again. And as we discussed earlier, the last live action attempt didn't really make that much money. So anime seems the best way to do it. Crunchyroll are doing it in conjunction with Adult Swim. Could be good fun. Well, not fun, but it could be good. Yeah, it has a lot of potential. I thought it was really cool that sort of a video game engine graphics that they're using to make it. So that's a pretty neat way of doing that world. Yeah, the possibilities are functionally endless. Next up is something I have no clue about. Dexter Revival has a trailer and a release date. I believe it's out in September called Dexter New Blood. I haven't seen that much of Dexter. I've seen a little bit of it, but I'm a bit squeamish on these super dark things and it is a very, very dark thing. So it didn't really appeal to me. And it's another one of those things that just never finishes, isn't it? Things just keep coming back that we thought were finished and we'd said goodbye to. So for people that like Dexter, I don't know whether this is appealing to them. I'm not going to watch it, obviously, because too dark for me. Did you ever watch Dexter? I watched the first season of Dexter. I thought it was good, but other stuff came along that kind of took my attention and I didn't really go back to it. Trailer-wise, like the trailer, does fun sort of throwaway stuff. The I don't like blood gag that's in the trailer is good. Del Shannon, Runaway, as the music. Love that. And there's little callbacks to the series through the trailer, which is neat, nicely done. But the fact that you would probably need to watch all of the previous Dexter stuff to then get the references that they're going to throw in in this additional season. I don't know what the reason is for them pulling this back. I'm not too sure. I'd like to think for them to bring characters like that out of retirement and shows like that out of retirement, that they've got an idea of a story that they want to tell rather than it just being, we've got a slot to fill in this particular schedule gap. What property have we still got? As I understand it, it's in service of fixing the ending that everybody hated. Mm-hmm. I imagine not everybody hated it, but that most people hated. So we can look forward to the Lost Revival for that reason. In the near <laughs> oh, no. Everyone coming back to fix their finale. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, there's a few I can think of. Yeah. Let's not do that. I've made my peace with it. I've really made my peace with it. Let's just let things finish. I don't know. But I don't know if people that were into Dexter are excited about this. Should probably have asked Aaron. He was at least excited about this in theory when it was announced when we talked about it a few months ago. So I guess we'll ask him and then you'll never hear it because we won't record it. But I'm not going to watch that. Definitely not. Next up, we have Army of Thieves, a prequel to Army of the Dead, which is Zack Snyder's zombie heist movie that came on Netflix recently. It is a Netflix original that I did watch and did not like that much. I thought it was pretty rubbish. And for that reason, I won't be watching this one. I think it looks exactly the same, but without zombies. So, yeah, it follows the safe cracker that was in the Army of the Dead film before the events of Army of the Dead. So he's just cracking a safe, but there's no zombies in sight, at least that the trailer suggests. Not that interested. Army of the Dead was, as I say, not very good. And this doesn't grab me at all. I didn't watch Army of the Dead. This film looks fun. It's got gags and stuff through the trailer. It's a good trailer, but yeah, like I say, I haven't seen the first film. I guess because this is a prequel, it doesn't really matter. You could pick up this without having seen any of the stuff before and it'll still work. So yeah, potentially we'll watch it. Fair play. You could also watch Army of the Dead. It will take you two and a half hours and you will probably regret it afterwards. Well, I wouldn't want anyone to edit down the brilliance. And maybe you've had your fill of Zack Snyder this year. Snyder Cut, that'd be the last one you were on. 
Uh, maybe it was, actually. Probably. I'm not going to go and check. You were on that, for sure. That was a podcast that we did. What makes it confusing is that we do speak outside of the podcast, so I find it very hard to remember which have been recorded for broadcast and which was just us chatting about stuff. Yes, when we chat non-recorded, we do have these really structured conversations. Before we meet up, I always send you an agenda, don't I? And then we make our way through it over the always. couple hours that we're... Doesn't everyone do that with friends? Or is that just me? Yeah, you've got to be organised. Don't want any wasteful conversation, do you? Don't want any lull in the conversation, yeah. And then sometime after it has to be edited down so that... Do you know if we actually had this conversation without making any mistakes, it would have been one hour 45 minutes instead of two hours 23 minutes? I don't know about you, Craig, but I've been listening to this podcast and I've not heard any mistakes so far. I think the mistake was us starting recording, to be perfectly honest, but we're already too far in, we're too deep in. (laughs) Okay, next trailer is Chucky, a TV series that comes out in Halloween. It's the doll that kills people. There is some other kid that gets a hold of a Chucky doll. It starts stabbing, well, school projects to begin with. And then there's a suggestion that it might stab some people as well. If you're into the Chucky films, this will be for you. I have seen some of the old child play movies, the first two at least. It's one of those horror franchises that starts off with being a cool concept and then they just rip the arse out of it through multiple sequels that just get more ridiculous. For further example, see Friday the 13th, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All of them. Any long-running horror franchise has that problem. And now we've got a TV series for Chucky, so it looks all right. They're leaning back into the comedy horror side of it because it's a creepy-looking doll stabbing people. Looks all right. This trailer, it looks a lot of fun, actually. I've not seen any of the previous Chucky stuff. It doesn't appeal. However, this actually looks like it's just stupid fun with lots of stabbing involved. So, yeah, as a TV show, yeah, I guess so. I don't know how long you could run a TV show like this. I don't know if it's planned to be like a single season and done. Or the doll's going to end up at a different family per season if they're going to keep running with this? I don't know. I don't know how you keep that fresh. I think you could do one really fun first season and then you'd be struggling with all the silly stuff that you could try and do the second season. You've just sort of described the fact that they made sequels to the first Child's Play movie. You can get one good film out of this. Why is there ten more? (laughs) However many there is. Exactly. I think the first season of this will probably be pretty good unless we have now seen all of the jokes in the trailer. Which is also a possibility. Yeah. Next up, we have a trailer for Ghostbusters. Had to do it. We've got a new trailer. It's long awaited. It's another big delayed one. Ghostbusters trailer. So what did you think of the Ghostbusters trailer? The new Ghostbusters trailer. Ghostbusters Afterlife is the title. I liked it. I like, is it Finn Wolfhard? Is that how you pronounce it? I like him in Stranger Things and stuff. So it's nice seeing him in something a bit different, though kind of looks along the same lines. Interesting to see how they're tying it to the original mythology with this car being abandoned and the house being left and all that sort of stuff. So that's quite neat. I I like the way that looks. It seems like they're having a lot of fun doing it from the clips that I can see. The ageless Paul Rudd in it as well, (laughs) who has a painting somewhere in an attic. It looks a lot of fun and they're tying it back to the originals, which I suppose is what a lot of fans were calling out for a little bit with the last Ghostbusters film. Though I still enjoyed the last one, actually. I still found it quite good fun. I haven't seen the last one. I didn't watch it because I wasn't all that interested in it. Mostly because I don't really like Paul Feig films. So I didn't see the point in going to see it. And the trailers didn't grab me, so I didn't see the need. And I've still not seen it and may never see it. But I love the original two Ghostbusters movies. 
like most people that grew up in the 90s. I grew up on them, watched them a lot, really enjoyed them. And yeah, this one tickles all the right nostalgic spots. It gives you Slimer, it gives you Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, it gives you mini Stay Puff Marshmallows because everything now needs a Baby Yoda that they can merchandise. That's the way things are now. You need a cute little mascot that you can slap on merchandise and get people to buy. So it has a better than average chance of being good this. They are Egon's family, aren't they? I think so. Because they talk about Grandad or whoever moving out in this musty old house, leaving them this house and they're broke and whatever else. And then all the Ghostbusters memorabilia is hiding under the floorboards and they go joyriding in the Ecto-1 and all that good stuff. So yeah, it looks amazing. I really like the the gag at the end where they've been watching the original Ghostbusters advert on YouTube and then they phone <laughs> and it's more closed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm keen for this. Very keen for it. Yeah, so it looks a lot of fun and it's definitely one that I'm wanting to see. For sure. Jason Reitman, son to Ivan Reitman directing it so it's keeping it in the family a bit as well paul rudd as you say ageless is now a middle-aged dad somehow <laughs> when did that happen but that's what he is <laughs> he's been doing a lot of sort of dad roles lately isn't he yeah, i think he was originally up to play one of the kids <laughs> yeah that's it yeah that's how long this film's been development hell <laughs> he used to be egon's kid now he's like <laughs> egon well he still is he used to be egon's grandkid now he's just the son <laughs> <laughs> the way it goes <laughs> so ghostbusters we're both keen and that will be out at Thanksgiving. So that's November. Well, we hope. Fingers crossed. Yes. Not a bond. Not moving backwards. Not moving backwards. Well, you never know. Never say never. Okay, on to TV now. We have a Doctor Who teaser for the next season, which will be on this year. It's a collection of wacky images of people running around, people falling, people cracking jokes. Looks like Doctor Who. I'm... A bit mixed on the current run of Doctor Who. I think Chris Chibnall is a poor showrunner. This season he's mixing up again with it being a single story, which fills me with dread a little bit, because what if the single story sucks? And then there's 10 episodes of it. I imagine what it will really be is 10 episodic episodes, or 9 episodic episodes, with a brief mention of the ongoing arc in each one and then they'll throw the arc into the final episode. But we'll see. And they seem to be making the same mistakes that they promised to tidy up with the companions. So what they did was in the New Year's special, they trimmed the fat a bit. They got rid of two of the companions and they kept Yaz, which seemed like a good idea. Now they're bringing in John Bishop and some guy called Vinder, who's played by Jacob Anderson, who was in Game of Thrones. So you're back up to four companions again. Well, three companions plus the Doctor. So I don't know. I'm not overly keen based on what I've seen, but it's Doctor Who, so I'll give it a watch. I stopped watching Doctor Who a little while ago, actually. I started to tail off during Peter Capaldi. I gave the beginning of Jodie Whittaker's Doctor a bit of a watch, and then I just kind of dropped off. I lost track of when it was on, and I wasn't really seeing the episodes, and then it was a load of episodes to catch up on, and I just never went back to it. Trailer-wise, it looks all right. It looks like Doctor Who, exactly what you said. It looks like a Doctor Who tease. It doesn't give too much away. The excess of companions, I get that being an issue. Also, the we're going to focus on one story for a whole season kind of thing. Well, they did that in Torchwood as well, when they did Torchwood a while ago, and that 
I think, led to problems too. They went from the, oh, we're going to visit a different place and do a different thing from week to week to we're going to focus on this one thing intensely for the whole season. And it led to a lot of people switching off. So I'm not sure how this will go. It might be exactly what you've said there, where they are dealing with stuff week to week and then there'll be a little line through it. But Doctor Who's been doing that anyway, and they've never really flagged it up. So it seems that it should be different if they are genuinely sticking to one story throughout. Because one of the things that Doctor Who's done for quite a while is they'll throw little things in in the background and it'll build to your season finale. If they're making an announcement about it, is it really going to be that? It could be they're just beefing it up for marketing purposes and they're not actually being truthful with what the show is. But yeah, the Russell T Davies era, for example, it was every episode the word Bad Wolf would be mentioned or Torchwood or they'd mention Saxon or whatever the arc was would get a mention in most of the episodes and then it would culminate in the last couple. Whereas the Chibnall era has been very episodic and you've had things crop up here and there again, but they haven't actually done an arc. Whereas this time it seems they're doing an arc. But yeah, with it being a single story, I think it will be a chaptered story, which means that every episode will be just that. It'll be a single episode of, in this episode, something happens. But maybe it won't be, in which case, if you're not engaged with it in episode one, then, oh God, there's another nine of these to go. I think the person that you really need for this is Isaac, because, like I say, I've not been watching it in a while. It could also be the kind of thing where they're trying to get people watching week to week and trying to build up a bit of hype and a bit of theorising about what's going on and all that sort of stuff that generates clicks and traffic and attention for shows. When you look at the success of some of the Disney stuff, for example, it's been a lot of speculating about what's going to come up and how it's all going to tie together, and maybe that's what they're trying to build with this Doctor Who season. He's trying to generate a bit of that, but I don't know if it's that kind of show. But... Again, this program's been through however many generations prior to its cancellation and since. It's had these very distinct eras. So maybe this is them moving into the next thing. Yeah, Doctor Who can be anything. Mm. And I'm possibly being a bit harsh on it here, but it's just because I don't think Chris Shibnall's done a good job really so far. I've not been all that enamoured with the Shibnall era up to this point, so I don't really have a lot of faith in his capabilities to run the show, which is why I'm being possibly harsh on it. But... There's that whole, we're going to trim the fat, so it's just going to be the Doctor and Yaz, that's our companion. They're going to go be going around doing stuff. And now they've got two more in it, and John Bishop it feels like he'll annoy me as a presence on the show. And this Game of Thrones guy, I don't know, he was in Game of Thrones, which is a descriptor people just apply to actors when they're in things. We've got this Game of Thrones guy, that means it's automatically good. Maybe not. But we'll see, I'll watch it for sure. And yeah, Isaac will be in a position to talk about it on a podcast at some point. He loves his Doctor Who, so we'll see how it goes. So onto another franchise that is over 50 years old. Star Trek 2. Count them, two Star Trek things. And there's another one later, but specifically trailers. Lord X, which is one of the animated Star Trek series. There's more than one. What is this? There's two animated Star Trek series. We've got another teaser for Star Trek Lord Dex, which comes out the middle of August. So depending on when you're listening to this roundup of July stuff, it'll be out potentially, or it's out soon, depending again when you listen. Looks pretty good. I loved Lord X. That was good fun. I will be picking up the coverage over on the We Made This Network once again on the Rarely Going podcast. I'm Moonlight over there now and again, so have a listen to that when 
it comes out because I'll be talking about it and enjoying it. Probably won't be reviewing it on Neil Before Blog because I'll be feeling like I'll be getting too much exposure to it otherwise. But the trailer looks really funny. You have Robert Duncan McNeil reprising his role as Tom Paris, sort of, where Boimler hears his voice when he's hallucinating, but it's a commemorative plate. And I do love that the characters in the show are all Star Trek fans. They love the universe that they live in and all the celebrities that are the characters that we watched in other shows. Looks like a lot of fun. Looks like a blast. I enjoyed the first season of Lord X. It was one of those ones that when we got to see some of the early concept art stuff and early trailers, I'm like, I don't know, is this going to be for me? But yeah, if you watch it, shut your brain off fun. As a Star Trek fan, it's just a lot of fun. It's all the different references that they throw throughout. Stupid stuff like the Tom Paris plate from a hallucination. And I do love that the Tom Paris plate became a product almost immediately once it <laughs> appeared on screen. Is fantastic. HUD... Problems with some of the characters earlier on where it was a bit intense, it was a bit quick fire, it was a bit too much, and I was like, oh my god, I feel like I need to be a child on all of the sugar in order to watch <laughs> Lord X so that my brain is working at the same speed as the screen is. But it calmed down towards the midsection of the series, and I really liked it after that, once I got into the characters. You sort of have to dial into its wavelength, which I did very quickly. I loved it, I thought it was really good fun, and... Shutting your brain off, I agree with to an extent, although there is a lot in there if you want to look Mm. for it. It's something that's very reverent to its source material and it's not afraid to have fun with its Star Trek lore as well as deliver something a bit sincere as well. It is my favourite modern Star Trek series. I think it's the only one that's consistent. I loved all 10 episodes, whereas on the other ones, I found problems here and there. So Lord X is the best Modern Star Trek series, in my opinion. I'm not just saying that to be controversial, and I don't hate the other shows. I just thought this was way better than the other two. Yeah, season two for the win for me. Can't wait. Even though it's going to give me extra work to do the coverage over on the other side in the mirror universe. If we made this. <laughs> Hang on. Are we the good or the bad side of that mirror? Always the bad side. All right. Okay, fair enough. I was kind of hoping I was on the right side of the mirror this time. There's no good side. It's all bad. <laughs> it's just a mirror universe that's... As bad as this one, but for different reasons. <laughs> what a shame. Well, that's the way modern Star Trek is. If you look at Picard, it's, it really sucks living in this universe right now. Well, true. <laughs> the next one is Star Trek Prodigy, which is supposed to be a more kid-oriented one. And I was actually surprised at how much effort seems to have been put into this. Not that I'm saying that we're going to do low effort, because that's a bit weird. But it's one of those, you watch the trailer and you're like, oh my God, this looks like it's got some serious juice poured in here. So you've got a bunch of alien... Kids, essentially, that find an abandoned ship in the Delta Quadrant. On board is a command training hologram modelled after none other than Captain Catherine Janeway herself, Kate Mulgrew, reprising her role. She'll be teaching the kids about command stuff and about how to be reckless and about how to shoot aliens before they shoot you, I imagine, because that's her command style. It looks really cool. The ship looks pretty cool. The alien designs, the animation style... It's very video gamey, but it's good video gamey. It's going to be another exciting Star Trek thing to sink our teeth into a bit later on. Yeah, it's going to be on this year as well. There's not much else I can say other than that. It looks interesting. Like you say, it looks like works went into it, which is true. So, yeah, I'm interested in seeing this when it comes out. I'm glad that we've got Kate Mulgrew back in that role, albeit in a slightly slanted way. But I think when we've spoken about it before, I'm not sure if this was on the podcast either, but... The fact that it's a hologram maybe 
means that she can play on the quirks slightly more of Janeway as well. Not ham it up, that's the wrong way to put it, but sort of an enhanced version of Janeway, I guess. It would be dialed up, for sure, yeah, mm. which will be endearing, because Kate Mulgrew is excellent in that role. I have issues with the way Janeway was written throughout Voyager, and I think everybody does, but at the same time, there's no getting away from the fact that she threw everything of herself into that role and loved playing it and was always engaging to watch. So to hear her voice again in this capacity as a version of Janeway that's not really Janeway, that's exciting. So we've left trailer country and we're now on to our pillars of Neil Before Pod. Let's start with a trip to the Marvel Universe. We have some casting for Black Panther. Michaela Cole has joined the ensemble cast of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, the sequel to the hit Marvel film Black Panther. Character details are locked up as per usual. Insiders say Cole has joined the director Ryan Coogler at Atlantis Pinewood Studios, where production began last month. Marvel Studios declined to comment on the matter. Cole exploded onto Hollywood radar in 2020 with her critically acclaimed HBO Max series I May Destroy You, which I haven't seen, for which she's received four Emmy nominations, in addition to writing, directing and producing. Cole starred in the show as a popular writer processing rape trauma in contemporary London. She's also been in Black Mirror, Chewing Gum, and the feature film has been so long, and she was in The Last Jedi. Not sure where she was in The Last Jedi, but cool. No idea who she's playing. There's been a few bits of speculation around the internet. She might be playing Storm, as in the X-Men character. Or she might end up playing Shuri after they recast her because she's said things that aren't quite kosher, I guess. <laughs> she's said a few things about vaccinations and things that have rubbed people up the wrong way and Disney might not want to be associated with her anymore. We'll see what happens there, but... Bit of casting. Seems like she's got really good pedigree for this sort of stuff. If she does end up playing Storm, I quite like that idea of introducing X-Men characters before you introduce the X-Men. You just gradually chuck the mutants in and different things here and there. Oh yeah, good for her. Well done for being cast in this thing. She sounds like a good piece of casting. I haven't really seen her in anything. The only thing would be Last Jedi, but I don't know what character she played, so I'd be hard pushed to point her out in a crowd. I'm just glad that that film's coming along. I'm interested to see how they're going to handle everything. The Black Panther of it all. Yes, the title character, for example, because obviously there is a gaping hole that's been left there from Chadwick Boseman, who was perfectly cast into that. I don't know quite how they're going to push on to that. As far as featuring Storm, I don't know if this is people just clutching at any character that they can throw stuff at, I think. Oh, it's speculation. There's nothing substantiating it. It's a lot of speculation, and it seems to be that everything that they announce at the moment is like, oh, we're going to get the X-Men, and it's like, eh, are we though? Again, like we've said with a lot of these things with Marvel, if they're going to announce an X-Men movie, they're going to do it on a big stage with a big screen behind them, with a big logo reveal and potentially parade an entire cast in front of screaming fans. I don't (laughs) see it happening as a side thing to a Black Panther movie, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't think it's going to play out that way either. It's just what people have been saying. Mm. And she does have ties to Wakanda in the comics, as in she marries T'Challa and so on, but I don't know that that's what this will be. could just be she's one of the new Dora Milaje or something like that. Hmm. She could be the new Black Panther. Who knows? We have no idea. Hmm. The other bit is Winston Duke will be returning as M'Baku in Black Panther. He is M'Bak. <laughs> oh, Craig. 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 
He's confirmed it himself. He said, it was very emotional to read the script. It was emotional to pack, to go back to set, but we're all a bit of a family now and we grieve together and we're making something really special. He didn't shed any light on the film's plot or how the sequel plans to address the absence of T'Challa, but he's in it. And I like M'Baku in those films, so cool. He's been a decent addition to the MCU so far. Yeah, I think he was well handled in the film. Strangely enough, he doesn't want to break his contract by revealing plot details. (laughs) Imagine that. Imagine that. Doesn't want to be shot. Feige's got snipers everywhere. He does. Including trained on me right now. Why do you think they say all that positive stuff about Marvel? We don't get checks. We get snipers. (laughs) We don't get checks. We have threats on our life. It's actually very (laughs) concerning. But Feige, we love you, Honest. Yes, we do. And Feige we trust, etc. Feige for mm. president of Marvel, which he already is, I guess. But never mind. Next bit of Marvel news. Blade has a director. After a thorough search that involved months of meeting a slew of talent, Marvel's new Blade movie has found its director. While a deal is not yet done, sources tell Deadline that Bassam Tariq, best known for directing the Riz Ahmed film Mogul Mowgli, which I haven't seen, is in talks to helm the new adaptation of the popular comic with Mahershala Ali set to play the iconic vampire hunter. Marvel had no comment. Seems to be a theme here. (laughs) It's a film that people liked by all accounts. So yeah, cool. Got a director. It's a thing that's happening. It's got a great lead. That's going to be so cool. Blade, the vampire hunter, who's also kind of a vampire. And there will be vampires in the MCU somehow. But not Morbius. That is very true. They're not allowed him, but they're allowed the rest of the vampires. Interesting. It's a director that's obviously made a bit of a name for himself, so good. Glad. It seems that they're picking interesting people. I know you see quite a lot online of folk going, oh no, don't take that person because we want to see them make another four indie movies like Marvel or sort of stealing them away. But it's always interesting seeing what these people do with larger budget films as well. And what interesting choices they can make or different perspectives they can put in. Yeah, it can be. And sometimes it is just, oh, look, they've been told exactly what they need to do here. (laughs) Couldn't have been anybody making it. But I think Marvel are moving away from that to a large degree. I think the filmmakers are getting to put their more stamp on it more often than not. At least in the first two thirds of the film. And then you have the third act blowout where all the previs guys get to do all their work. But other than that, I think... Yeah, again, to make two-thirds of a huge film is better than making none of a huge film, I suppose. Very true. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> I have made 0% of a film, so you're correct. Exactly. And that's the George Clooney argument. If you go up and criticise any of his films, he'll just ask you, where's your film? And then you'll say, touche, George Clooney. Touche. And then you leave him alone and never speak to him again. <laughs> also tell him you've seen Batman and Robin because he will apparently personally refund you. <laughs> that's something I love that that's good there's a bit of a George Clooney aside for everybody bit of a tip how to bankrupt George Clooney just millions of people go and say that they've watched Batman and Robin and that they spent money watching it and he will personally refund them so is that like everyone withdrawing from the bank at the same time so the next time he's in front of like a big stadium crowd we need the stadium crowd to all shout in unison that they've watched Batman and Robin and then we bankrupt George Clooney yeah, and then he gets a plane to fly over that just drops cash on the crowd. And then a lot of people will die. Yeah, but then he's got all these Nespresso money, though. I think George Clooney can afford it. But anyway, enough about George Clooney. He's not on our list this month. It's a bit of an extra for all the listeners. He would just put it all on his back credit card anyway. He would. Never leaves the cave without it. <laughs> Another thing from Marvel, they are setting up an in-house animation studio. What If hasn't been on yet. And we didn't really talk about it in the trailers because 
We've talked about it before and it's more of the same. Looks good. What if looks good? And they're going to be developing more animated projects, which makes sense, especially in the current climate. They're easier to put together, easier to get people to record lines in their bathrooms or whatever, just to get it done there. So that's what it is. We're going to have our animation branch and mini studio, and there'll be more to come from that as well. We're super excited about animation, which is my first love, said Victoria Alonso. She's the executive vice president of film production at Marvel. It was interesting because she says further down in the article that it's basically going to give them a chance to continue with more side characters and what-ifs, which are like. She highlighted things like WandaVision and going, well, these are two characters who would never have received their own sort of solo movies. So it seems that this animation studio is potentially going to give them the chance to feature even more characters or little expansive things or little shorts which are kind of like the idea of. Yeah, I like animation and it suits comics very well. So if it lets them tell more stories, then I am all for it. Okay, last up for the Marvel Universe. We don't have a trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home yet, but we have a load of toys (laughs) that have been released. The toys do feature Spider-Man in yet another bloody new costume because he has to get a new costume every single film. He has a new father figure in the name of Doctor Strange in this film. So new daddy means new suit for Spider-Man. Each time. This one is black and magical. It's got runes on it. I don't like the look of it, to be honest, but whatever. And there's another one that's essentially the Iron Spider suit, which has a glyph or something instead of the spider symbol. So it looks like he's going to be magicking up in terms of his costumes. There's a Lego playset that has Spider-Man, MJ, Doctor Strange and Wong in it, where they're all messing around in, I guess, the Sanctum. This often happens with comic book movies. You get your early information from what toys come out because they need to get them through the fabricators and get them made. We might have a trailer soon, I don't know. We might not. But we've got Funko Pops and toys and costumes that look rubbish, as far as I'm concerned. I do find it funny that a lot of the news from set and everything like that is heavily embargoed. However, Lego or whoever get to release their (laughs) stuff immediately. Very odd, but... Fair enough. But it's a bit like when people used to pick through the soundtrack album, the titles of the tracks on the soundtrack albums when they first got loaded up to try and work out what was going to happen in the film. Such as Qui-Gon's funeral from The Phantom Menace. (laughs) Exactly. It got to a certain point where the quest to have the film spoiled for you in advance just became this hunt for the latest news. I mean, granted, we're doing that kind of thing on this podcast just now. But the quest for these sites to get any form of tiny tidbit and report it has now become that they will look at the models set from Lego, the soundtrack, anything they can get hold of, the Funko Pop, the name of the Funko Pop, and it, it, it all gets released. I just find it amazing that we still don't have the who's who of who's going to be in the Spider-Man film is just ridiculously huge. And the fact that we don't actually have a confirmed list of who is in this yet. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty incredible, to be honest. None of these toys feature Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, so they've still kept that. <laughs> yeah, they've still managed so far. Do you want Chrissy's Instagram pic from Spider-Verse today? Do you want that news? Go for it. On Instagram, because you start looking at sort of similar things on Instagram, it'll start suggesting posts. And one of the posts that came up was a, oh, potential spoiler for Spider-Man. It is the Spanish voice dub of Tobey Maguire doing a zipped lip symbol over the question of, will you be working for Marvel anytime soon? There you go. <laughs> it's a Spanish dub. 
doing a zip lip symbol. That's the quest for news, everyone. Hot off the Instagram presses from Chrissy's Instagram account today. That's almost nothing. It really is. It is, but I could probably spin that into uh, about a 200-word article with lots of adverts and clickbait surrounding it. You probably could. (laughs) So let's change lanes. Let's go to the DC universe. We have some news from DC. We have casting for Batgirl, which is an HBO Max, either film or TV show, I'm not sure which. They have cast Leslie Grace to play Barbara Gordon in Batgirl. She was in In the Heights. She was one of the people in there. She auditioned and got the part, so good for her. There will be people kicking off because she doesn't have, quote, red hair, unquote. (laughs) We all know what that really means, but I'm sure she will do a great job. Again, it seems like another good piece of casting. The proof will be up on screen, I think. Yeah, for sure. She was good at In the Heights, from what I remember. She can sing very well, which probably won't factor into Batgirl, but they did a musical episode of Supergirl, so what do I know? A musical episode of Batgirl? What would that be like? Hmm. Probably a lot like the musical episode of Supergirl, to be perfectly honest. Probably. You're right. They might do karaoke as one of their team bonding things, and that'll give her an excuse to sing. I've not seen In the Heights, so I don't know her work from that. Yeah, fair play. There's probably not a lot of crossover. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. She stood out, so there we go. Next up, we have an announced cast for the animated film Injustice Gods Among Us, which is Superman goes nuts and kills a bunch of people, and the other heroes have to team up and try and stop him. It's an evil Superman story. We all know how much I love those. So we've got another one of these. The cast is Justin Hartley, who you may recognise as the Green Arrow from Smallville. He has also played Aquaman. So Aquaman, Green Arrow, Superman. He's making his way around. Good for him. Anson Mount as Batman. Batman's everywhere. Anson Mount is bloody mm-hmm. everywhere. Laura Bailey as Lois Lane. Zach Callison as Damien and Jimmy Olsen. Brian T. Delaney as Green Lantern. Brandon Michael Hall as Cyborg. Edwin Hodge as Mr. Terrific and Killer Croc. Some people are doubling up. Oliver Hudson as Plastic Man. Gillian Jacobs as Harley Quinn. That's interesting. Yuri Lowenthal, who voices Spider-Man in the current PS4 games as Mirror Master, Flash and Shazam. My God, he is putting in the hours. So many paychecks for Yuri Lowenthal. Good for him. Derek Phillips as Nightwing and Aquaman. Kevin Pollock as Joker and Jonathan Kent. Jeez. Anik of Nonny Rose as Catwoman. Reed Scott as Green Arrow and Victor Zaz. <laughs> I love it that Justin Hartley's there. I'm going to watch someone else play Green Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, I don't care. I'm Superman, so screw you. Ferran Tahir as Rachel Gould. Fred Tatashore, I think that's how you pronounce his name, is Captain Atom, Janet Varney as Wonder Woman, and Andrew Morgado as Mirror Master Soldier. Don't know why that deserves a credit, but okay. Injustice Gods Among Us is expected to debut on home entertainment this fall. So there it is. I've played the two video games. They're all right. If you like evil Superman stories, then you'll probably think it's okay. I don't like evil Superman stories because I'm just so bored of them because everything's doing them now. We've had it in the Snyderverse. We've had it a bit in Superman and Lois. We have it here. We've had it in those video games that this thing is based on. We haven't really had an animated film yet with an evil Superman, but now we have. So, yeah, cool. We'll see how it goes. Good voice cast. 
certainly. It's a great voice cast. There's lots of names that sort of stand out in there for me. So sounds like a good cast. Again, I'm a bit like you. Why do we need an evil Superman? Why can't we just do a, a decent standard Superman film? Why have they not managed to do that in a while? Anyway, it's all for a different thing. I have not played the Injustice games, but I did watch Matt Blair on Twitch play through a few recently when he was doing Superhero Sunday stuff. So I actually got to see it through that. And I'm kind of tempted. I think there's a super cut somewhere of all of the cutscenes to try and get a bit of the story out of it. So I might do that at some point. Yeah, if you watch all the cutscenes, you'll get the gist of it. And then all the stuff in between is just them slugging out in whatever arena they find themselves in. That's all you really need. The second game is about Supergirl more than Superman and stuff. So she arrives on Earth and so on. So maybe they'll do another film that's that. I'm hoping they'll give us a bit more than it's just essentially a extended version of all the cutscenes. Because otherwise, why not just watch the scenes? <laughs> it'll take you like half an hour or however long it takes. No, I'm sure it'll be better than that. I don't think you would manage to get all those people in if it was just going to be a rehashing of the video game cutscenes. Unless it's, I really want to voice this cutscene I've got to before. <laughs> Justin Hartley was like, they wouldn't hire me before, but for some reason now they have. Yeah, instead of sending you a script to speculate on, we're going to send you a video game to play through and then tell us if you want to have a shot. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Next up is something a bit more positive, potentially, Superman. We've got Michael B. Jordan and his production company developing a black Superman project for HBO Max based upon the character Val Zot, who is an alternate Superman who is... Well, black. According to Collider, Jordan's production company has hired an unnamed screenwriter. I'm guessing the screenwriter has a name. They just haven't found someone with no name and said, write a script, who is currently developing the script for the limited series. It's not been announced whether or not Jordan will actually be the one donning the super suit, but we mean, come on, why would Jordan not play Superman? It just makes sense. It's funny because there was heavy speculation that he would be the one playing Superman in the Tanahasi Coates project that is not this. This is a separate thing. So there's going to be two black Superman stories coming up in the relative near future. And the other one's a film, and you've got this miniseries. So there's Superman for days, man. Superman for days. Superman's everywhere, and I'm loving it. You get a Superman. You get a Superman. Everyone gets a Superman. (laughs) We all get a Superman. It's to combat the brood of Batmen that are showing up everywhere. Yeah, there are too many Batmen, so it's nice that we're now having too many Supermen to compensate. I don't know any of the Val Zod story stuff my dc is not as good as my marvel as far as reading the books so i don't know much but michael b jordan's great i know bits and pieces but not a lot michael b jordan i trust to make something decent out of that he should be playing it surely surely will be look forward to this we always look forward to superman stuff but like i say this dark turned killing everyone superman stories i'm a bit like oh do we need to do this again do we need to do this again Val Zod is a hero, from what I know. So it would just be a different take. It's exciting. Just give us these alternate takes on Superman that do exist and mm. throw some weight behind it. Absolutely. Let's jump over to the third pillar that we always focus on, the CW, but it's also DC. We only have one bit of stuff <laughs> today. From Comic-Con, they did a panel on Legends of Tomorrow where it was announced that John Constantine will be leaving the show, but not Matt Ryan. <laughs> Conversely, it's very strange. And it's not very strange for Legends. It's actually pretty tame by legend standards he'll be wrapping up his role as john constantine this year but next season he'll be coming back as a new character dr gwyn davies an eccentric scientist from the early 20th century who may be the team's only hope next season (laughs) so that's what he's doing cynically i think it's because they want to bring john constantine into the films and they don't want multiple versions flying around confusing people 
So remember all that stuff they said at Fandom last year about, well, we're embracing the multiverse. We don't care how many versions there is of these characters. We just want to tell stories and we trust the audience to keep up. And we've got an extra John Constantine flying around in a TV show that realistically not that many people watch. Can't have that. Get rid of him. Yeah, it does seem to be based on that, isn't it? It's them trying to write out Constantine before they do a proper, in inverted commas, version. I'm glad that Matt Ryan isn't leaving the cast, though. I think he's been a great addition to the Legends lineup. I didn't think it was going to work at first. I'll be honest, when they said Constantine is going to join Legends of Tomorrow, I was thinking, what? No, 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 no. It's taken a bit, but he fits in really, really well. And I'm glad that he's going to be staying on. And it doesn't look like they're changing too much of the rest of the cast, which I'm happy about because there's been quite a few sort of dropouts and things. So you'd assume that they would get all of this casting news out of the way around about the same time. Yes, although there is another casting change on Legends, sort of. Mm Mm-hmm. Or if it's not really a, a casting change. Series regular voiceover cast member Amy Louise Pemberton, who has voiced Gideon, the Wave Rider's artificial intelligence for all six seasons and has appeared as the AI's physical form a handful of times, roughly once a season, starting from season two. She will now portray a flesh and blood version of Gideon in the real world, also as a series regular. So that's long overdue, I think, actually. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, they've teased throughout doing these little one-offs a season and they've always been good episodes normally. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for live-action Gideon. Yeah, so a few changes. I do like that Legends has that almost rotating roster of, of people. And this one was linked to this article that I didn't notice before, so I'm just going to talk about it now. Batwoman. We have a new character. Nick Cregan has been cast as a new series regular. Cregan will play Marky Jet, a sexy playboy who grew up in a lavish lifestyle. Marky is too charming for his own good and wields his power with a ne'er-do-well attitude. He views life as one big joke and that sense of recklessness has a tendency to clash horribly with his no-nonsense mother, Jada Jet. When he meets Ryan, the lead, he sees in her a like-minded go-getter who, like him, is just waiting for the right opportunity to make his mark on Gotham. And another piece of casting is Victoria Cartagena as Renee Montoya, who is a Batman mainstay. So cool, we've got a billionaire that could be annoying that will probably help Ryan find a more legitimate hold on the rich and famous of Gotham, I guess. Cool. Doesn't get more last minute than that in terms of adding stuff to the roster. Breaking news. Now you've kind of blown my Spanish voice dub of Tobey Maguire out the water. I mean, kind of yeah, stealing yeah. my thunder here, Craig. Well, breaking news as of earlier today, apparently. So it's not really breaking. I just didn't notice it. <laughs> So that's it for the CW-verse, which is essentially just the DC bit extended, but that's a lot of the CW anyway. But I do like to separate off because they are CW shows. There's no update on Powerpuff this month. I was going to say I'm disappointed. Yeah, I don't get to talk about that again. So there we go. Okay, let's move on. We have a double of Dwayne Johnson. He has said he is not coming back to the Fast and Furious films. He commented on Vin Diesel's comments about treating him like crap to get a better performance out of him. Johnson said, I laughed and laughed hard of Fast Patriarch Vin Diesel's recent comments that the duo's beef can be traced back to the tough love he gave the wrestler turned actor to elicit a great performance on 2011's Fast Five. Not Fellini-esque, but I would do anything I'd have to do in order to get performances in anything I'm producing. As we said before, when you cast The Rock, you get The Rock, you're not going to get any better. He will give you his all, but his all is what it is. 
But Johnson thinks everyone had a laugh at that and he'll leave it at that before confirming once and for all that he won't be rejoining the family. I wish them well on Fast 9, he said, which was a while ago now, and I wish them the best of luck on 10 and 11. And the rest of Fast and Furious movies they do that will be without me. So the feud continues. Ah, so did he say and the rest as well? Because I was wondering if it was that he's not going to be in the Fast Saga set, but the Hobbs and Shaw style offshoots he might have done. So as he said, all the rest as well. The rest that they might make. So I'm guessing he doesn't include his offshoot sub-franchise. Yeah, because I was wondering, it seems very odd for him to rule himself out the whole thing, but maybe he is. I just thought that his own individual corner of the Fast Universe might be unaffected by this decision. Yeah, it should be. He won't need to interact with anybody else. Won't need to go near Vin Diesel ever again. Next up is Dwayne Johnson will star in Red One for Amazon Studios. The streaming service announced the film will reunite Johnson with Fast and Furious scribe Chris Morgan. Oh, great. The pair recently collaborated on the hit spin-off Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, great. That's a film that I did not enjoy. The deal for the film treatment, which comes after a highly competitive bidding situation, is another sign that Amazon is focusing on creating more populous fare. Its interest in fielding more broadly entertaining films comes as the streaming wars continue to heat up with new entrants like HBO Max, Paramount Plus and Disney Plus. The deal is a statement making... What is this about? I should have read this. Red One was conceived by Hiram Garcia, president of production at Seven Bucks Productions. It's described as a globetrotting four-quadrant action-adventure comedy. Okay, that is quite a mouthful description-wise, which imagines a whole new universe to explore within the holiday genre. So it's a Christmas movie. The press release announcing the deal moves beyond these exciting, if slightly vague, descriptors to say that this unique concept represents a property that could encompass not only a tentpole film, but could reach beyond entertainment across multiple industries and businesses. Presumably that translates into a franchise that could complement Amazon's massive e-commerce business, which is no stranger to holiday season shoppers. Hold my man up because this is exciting, said Dwayne Johnson. Our seven bucks is very bullish on the partnership with Amazon Studios underpinned with... This is all just... Fluff and nonsense, isn't it? What we should take away from this is that Dwayne Johnson is making a Christmas movie for Amazon. Hooray. Yeah, I hope he plays Santa. And it used to be that you got threatened with a rock at Christmas, isn't it? You wouldn't get any toys, (laughs) you'd get a rock. But now I'm like, do you know what? The rock for Christmas sounds great. It won't be this Christmas because it's going to take them forever to sort through all this guff that they've said to make something. For a Christmas. For a Christmas. Next up, we have another kids cartoon being adapted into a live action TV series. Paramount Plus is continuing its nostalgia kick as it turns the fairly odd parents into a live action series. In a new interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Nickelodeon President and CEO Brian Robbins explained how the cartoon will be reimagined for the Viacom CBS streaming service. The upcoming series, which will have a 13-episode first season, is currently in production in Los Angeles and is slated to premiere on Paramount Plus later this year. The Fairly Odd Parents revival will pick up years after its predecessor ended, according to the news outlet, so it's a sequel. Timmy Turner's cousin, Vivian Turner, Audrey Grace Marshall, and her stepmother, Roy Ragland, Tyler Laudis, will navigate their lives in Dimsdale with their fairy godparents, Wanda and Cosmo, beside them. Susan Blakeslee and Darren Norris will continue to lend their voices to Wanda and Cosmo, respectively. Laura Bell Bundy, Ryan James Hatanaka and Imogen Cohen are also in the cast. In addition to the Fairly Odd Parents revival, Robbins confirmed to The Hollywood Reporter that a live-action Blue's Clues movie, whatever that is, Blue's Clues and You and Loud House Christmas movie are heading to Paramount Plus as well. This was on People magazine, the source for this, and it says reps for Paramount Plus did not immediately return people's request for comment. Fairly Odd Parents is not something I ever watched. 
I'm aware of its existence, but beyond that, all that stuff I read there, I no connection to it whatsoever. But it's another kid's property that's getting the live-action treatment. I wasn't quite the right age when Fairly Odd Parents was on air, but my sister was, so we ended up watching it quite a bit. And it was just really, really silly and lots of fun. And I'm interested to see what they're doing with the live-action version of it. I find it funny that the fairies are going to be animated, but the humans are going to be live actors. So that's going to be interesting to see on screen how they're going to play about with that the animation style against the live action because there's some films and tv shows where that's been done in the past and it's very very ropey (laughs) but it might play into the format if it's ultra silly and just completely goes into it then i think that'll be a lot of fun if it's anything like the original the fact that they've got some of the original voice cast back they're focusing still on the same family, but sort of adjacent a little bit, since it's going to be Timmy's cousin that's in it. But yeah, it was lots of kids making wishes and the interpretation that the fairies have of that wish and what they end up doing with it. Hilarity ensues, basically. (laughs) I can't imagine a scenario where I'll watch this, because I don't really have any connection to the original, but... Maybe you will, and let me know. Maybe I will. I don't know. It doesn't seem that it's going to be on my radar, but I might end up watching some of it out of curiosity. I wonder if it'll be as juvenile raunchy as the Powerpuff reboot script that leaked. (laughs) Doesn't seem like it, but you never know. Maybe that's the way they should go with the Powerpuff Girls reboot. I do like the live-action cast that they've got, but maybe it should be blended live-action and animation. Maybe that's where they've went wrong. No, it's definitely not where they've went wrong, based on the leaked script. <laughs> I read some of it last month, so we'll go back and listen to that. I read some of it out. It has to be seen or heard to be believed. But this, sure, if there's an appetite for it, why not? If you enjoy it, give it a go. Why not? It's a thing that they're making. I will say that much. It is a thing that they are making. Next up is something I'm very interested in. A Pokemon live-action series is in early development at Netflix. Not much more has been said about it, but Joe Henderson is reportedly attached to write and executive produce. If you have no idea who he is, he is currently the co-showrunner and executive producer on Lucifer. And the reason I didn't put the teaser for season six of Lucifer in the trailers bit is because I haven't finished the previous season yet. So I haven't watched the teaser for the next one because it probably spoils stuff that happens at the end. Still got two episodes left, so... I didn't want to spoil myself. It's my podcast. I was selfish. Sue me. But he's doing that and it's going to be live action akin to the Detective Pikachu film, which we both loved and did a podcast way back where Pikachu joined us for the podcast, if you'll remember. Kind of disappointed that we don't have Pikachu in this episode of the podcast. Yes, and he won't be appearing. He declined to appear because his appearance fee has went up and I can't afford him anymore. Can't even afford my appearance fee, never mind Pikachu. Yeah. Yeah, Detective Pikachu was a lot of fun. The animation style blended with the the live action stuff worked really well in that. The world was really interesting that they built. So, yeah, a live action TV show version exploring that kind of world a little bit more. Yeah, totally up for that. I think a lot of Detective Pikachu's charm was Ryan Reynolds voicing a Pikachu. There were some good performances in there, but the thing that I enjoyed the most was definitely that take. The world is interesting and worth exploring. It kind of set up a lot. I don't know if it's going to be set in the same world as such 
I guess it is and it isn't. It's adjacent, but they worked on it and I look forward to seeing more. I loved Ryan Reynolds' performance as Pikachu. I thought it was great and hilarious. But a big part of the magic of that movie for me was seeing that world brought to life in a way that works. And I do remember we had a long discussion about what do you think people eat in the Pokemon world? Do they eat Pokemon? We had a long discussion about that. <laughs> I don't know if it was that long. We definitely had a discussion about it, though. So that was something that we talked about on the Detective Pikachu podcast, because questions like that come to your mind when there's no other animals in a world full of Pokemon. So <laughs> I can either catch this or eat it or catch it and then eat it. And then there's a dodginess about people befriending the Pokemon and then other people presumably eat them, unless everybody in the world's vegetarian. Maybe the new show will cover all that. I don't know. Maybe it won't, because that's kind of dark. Oh, I look forward to that darky edge on the TV show. I like that now. There we go. <laughs> Add it to the script, Craig. Add it to the script. That I am writing. Yeah, exactly. Along with the Lucifer showrunner, or co-showrunner, me and him working together on a Pokemon <laughs> project. That's what's happening. That's what's not in the article. Pokemon are friends, not food. <laughs> Exactly. The Pokemon version of Greenpeace. <laughs> It'd just be like Team Rocket or something like that, but they're environmentalists that don't want Pokemon to be used for food. But even the plants are Pokemon, or there are plant-based Pokemon, so God. What a can of worms this is that we've just opened. Yeah, the can of worms is probably also Pokemon, I'm just saying. It will be. Yeah, everything in that world is a Pokemon of some descriptions. So. Yeah, don't keep your Pokemon in cans. That's why they invented Pokeballs, okay? Exactly. They've got plenty of room to just stretch out in there. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay. Next up, Henry Cavill is going to be in a film called The Rosie Project. Steve Falk will write and direct the film, which follows an unlucky in love university professor who creates an elaborate questionnaire in an effort to find a wife and meets an unconventional woman who doesn't match any of his requirements, but might be the perfect woman for him. The film is a change of pace for Cavill, who has been busy lining up action-heavy projects and gives him an opportunity to show his acting range, should he have any. I think he does. Cavill is set to shoot the sequel to Netflix and Nola Holmes this fall as well as Vaughn's new spy thriller, Argyle, with Rosie Project expected to shoot at the top of 2022. And I think we have Argyle later on, so we'll talk about that next, I guess. We'll just have a Henry Cavill double bill. Yeah, this is interesting. It is basically the opposites attract message, isn't it? It's the idea of maybe don't go looking for the perfect partner and you'll stumble into it. Maybe don't assume there is a perfect partner because who you end up falling for might be completely different to what you expect just as it seems to be here. Henry Cavill is an unlucky in love guy. I suppose it can happen to anybody. I might believe it less with it being Henry Cavill. <laughs> it's something that he's doing. But isn't that always the thing in these romantic comedies or romantic dramas? It's always like a ridiculously handsome lead. And it's like, why can I not find myself a woman? And you're going, yeah, why can't you find yourself a woman? <laughs> what is going on? How horrible are you as a person? <laughs> What's going on? He's a university professor. He walks in with his fitted suits, muscly guy, just like, why, why are women not interested in me? I don't understand. <laughs> just as he's lifting weights as he's delivering a lecture. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking maybe this is going to be like that Momoa trailer that we watched earlier on, where halfway through suddenly he's being chased by the FBI. It's like, but this started as an yeah. out-of-love professor. What happened? How did it escalate to this? To be fair, the superficial side of it isn't everything, is it? No, it's nice to see them doing something a little bit different, and it's interesting. It's maybe not my kind of film, but yeah, interesting. I can see it opening with a montage of him going on various dates with people that he thinks he matches with, and it turns out they don't get along because they're too similar or something like that. I think... That will be an element of it. Mm. I really don't know. But that's a thing that he's in. So, cool. Let's talk about Argyle, 
Next, since it's mentioned in that article, I'll jump around. Kingsman director Matthew Vaughn has signed up an all-star cast for his new film franchise, Argyle. It's a franchise already? Make one thing first, (laughs) surely. (laughs) (laughs) Henry Cavill's in it, Sam Rockwell's in it, Bryce Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, John Cena, yay, and Samuel L. Jackson are all set to appear in the spy thriller. I'm sold on the cast alone, that is a great collection of names. Yeah, it's a great list of names. I do find it funny that they're planning three films already based on a (laughs) debut novel. From reading the article, it sounds like the book isn't out yet. (laughs) Has the whole thing just been sold off script? It's like, we are going to make three of these books. We're going to have three films. We're doing everything. We're doing it all now. Has the TV spin-off been announced yet? Not yet. That'll be next month. We'll talk about it next month. (laughs) It'll be like Game of Thrones. You'll finish all three films and the second book won't even be out yet. The first book won't even be out yet. Yeah, a first-time offer is already a film deal with all these cast members attached. Like you say, brilliant lineup of people. So, yeah, definitely want to watch it. Kind of gutted that it's not set in Argyle. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> I was hoping for a, a Scottish-based action thriller, but it's not. It's a person called Argyle. I'm like, oh. Finally, I thought Argyle and Butte is going to appear on the big screen. Maybe they'll film it there, but call it somewhere else. <laughs> The film is called Argyle. It was shot in Argyle and Butte. It's pretending to be San Francisco. <laughs> Why not? The film and book will follow the globe-trotting adventures of a super spy named Argyle across the US, London and other exotic locations. Pop singer Dua Lipa will provide music for the title track and score as well as making her acting debut in the feature. They're really far ahead on this, despite their source material not even being out yet. It's very strange. Very strange. I love it. The thriller's set to be published next year. It must be a hell of a book. I'm just saying, this sounds amazing. (laughs) Well, Matthew Vaughn said, When I read the early draft manuscript, I felt it was the most incredible and original spy franchise since Ian Fleming's books of the 50s. This is going to reinvent the spy genre. It kind of sounds like they're going down the James Bond route because he's a globetrotting spy. There's a title track as well already. So it sounds a bit aping James Bond. (laughs) I don't think Matthew Vaughn's necessarily steered me wrong before, to be honest. I've enjoyed everything of his I've watched. Yeah, I've enjoyed lots of his stuff. I don't think this is going to be bad at all. I just, when you read it, it's like, when I read a manuscript that wasn't actually tied to a film production and had rights that I could actually use on screen, I was delighted. (laughs) (laughs) Because these things must be getting snapped up for film and TV rights just so quickly at the moment. (laughs) That's the subtext that I've got, is that they've got to get in on the ground floor before it's even published, if they want a chance of turning it into a film. You have to wonder how... Matthew Vaughn heard about this. Maybe the author wrote the script and the novel at the same time and just sent them both into publishers just to see what would happen first. <laughs> That's multitasking, isn't it? I've written it to be a novel, a film, or a TV show. You can pick any of these items off my list. <laughs> I'm selling the rights to these three things. Yeah, it sounds cool. I'm quite excited. Based on just the cast and Definitely. the confidence, I guess, the cart before the horse approach in terms of adapting this is quite interesting. Yeah, I just really want to read the book. Yeah, well, tough. It'll be a while. It doesn't even say when the book's out. Not in this article, anyway. I could look it up, but I won't. But yeah, Spy for Franchise Matthew Vaughn could be cool. I'm excited. Next up, Netflix has tapped Christopher Landon, who did Freaky and Happy Death Day, to write and direct We Have a Ghost, a family adventure film that will star Anthony Mackie, David Harbour, Tignataro, and Jennifer Coolidge. So it's going to be on a comedic edge. 
considering the last two. And Anthony Mackie can be funny as well sometimes. And so can David Harbour, to be fair. The film centres on Kevin, who finds a ghost named Ernest haunting his new home. Kevin subsequently becomes an overnight social media sensation, along with his family. But when he and Ernest go rogue to investigate the mystery of the latter's past, they become targets of the CIA. Landon is penning the script based on Jeff Mono's short story, Ernest. It sounds like a off-the-wall, zany, weird ghost story. I like the idea of ghosts are discovered and it instantly becomes a social media sensation. Everyone just gloms to it. Here's me on YouTube with my ghost. Watch this. That could be a fun concept. Good cast as well. Yeah, you get fantastic hits on social media if you had a ghost to do TikTok dances with or whatnot, wouldn't they? Again, it sounds like it escalates, doesn't it? It's a man chilling with his best friend, a ghost, and then they become targets of the CIA. All you need to add in now is the Vatican Black Ops Squad who (laughs) come in to try and get rid of the ghost, and you've got it. You've got the full film right there. This sounds a lot of fun, though I do kind of wish that it was the ghost that was called kevin because i think a ghost called kevin would be quite funny yeah although ernest is a good ghost name as well yeah ernest is more of a traditional name for a ghost i just think a ghost called kevin would be funnier it doesn't say who's playing kevin so i don't know if the adults that i've listed are adults and there's going to be a kid that finds a ghost so it could be a boy and his ghost type story or maybe anthony mackie's kevin i don't know who knows Maybe David Harper's the ghost. Maybe Anthony Mackie's the ghost. Anybody could be the ghost here. Just doesn't say. Maybe we never see the ghost. Who knows? Boy and his ghost, maybe. Anthony Mackie and his ghost. David Harper and his ghost. Tignataro and her ghost. No, Tignataro. Well, she could be Kevin. Why not? Someone and a ghost. And I liked the two Happy Death Day films. I haven't seen Freaky, but I have it on good authority. It's a good film. So keen for this. He has a good grasp on making these things fun. At least from what I've seen. So that's cool. Next up, we have Clerks 3, which starts production next month, as in in August sometime, 15 years after Clerks 2 shocked the world by being good, actually, quote unquote. Writer-director Kevin Smith is finally moving ahead with Clerks 3, which will start production next month after being acquired by Lionsgate. Smith will direct from his own screenplay, while Liz Destro and Jordan Monsanto will produce... The long gestating sequel, which is currently in pre-production in New Jersey, all major cast members are set to reprise their role, including Brian O'Halloran as Dante, Jeff Anderson as Randall, and Rosario Dawson as Becky, while Jamie Hughes and Smith will once again play Jay and Silent Bob. There is a saying from the Tao that goes something like, to be great is to go on, to go on is to go far, to go far is to return. Thanks to Lionsgate, we get to return where it all started, with almost the whole cast that started it all. And for the first time since the first time, we ever made a movie in 1993, we're shooting the entire flick on location in New Jersey as a note to both the enduring allure of cinema and the resourcefulness and lunacy of its storytellers. Years ago, Dante and Randall made me a filmmaker, now it's time I return the favour, Smith said in a statement. I like Kevin Smith, I like the two Clerks movies, I'm keen to see a third one. That's all I really have to say on it. And Kevin Smith was great when he was at the Edinburgh Film Festival a few years ago, got to sit in a round table interview with the guy, and I was one of two people that got to ask a question. So that is something I will always cherish. Also had a chat with him outside that wasn't recorded. It was just a chat, so that was nice. Nice off-the-record blether. Yeah, exactly. Keen for clerks. Don't care. I have not seen the second one or the first one. I have no idea what it's about whatsoever. Kevin Smith, nice guy. We went to see his podcast at the Usher Hall, proving that we will one day fill the Usher Hall with this podcast. (laughs) By fill the Usher Hall, you mean with sound, right? Not necessarily with people. Yeah, fill it with sound, definitely. Not bums on seats, but sound. We can do sound. That'll work. We will hook up to the PA system, and if someone was there, they'd be able to hear us from the back. Yes. 
definitely. We can do that. <laughs> I'm sure that we've got a contact somewhere who can bump open the fire escape door and we can quickly record on the stage for five minutes and claim that we've recorded a podcast at the Usher Hall and add it to all our PR posts. But yeah, Clerks, not seen it. Sounds good though. It's one of those ones that I've heard mentioned umpteen times and I've just never got round to watching. Yeah, give them a watch. They're great examples of what they are, really. Kevin Smith, he always talks about how he made a film that he wants to see with Clerks. And it is just a guy who works in a convenience store who sits around talking to his friends about women and Star Wars and other things and keeps lamenting the fact that he's not even supposed to be in that day. He's been pulled in for a shift and he really hates it. So the quote, I'm not even supposed to be here today, shows up a lot throughout the film. The first one anyway. And it's great. It's good fun. So yeah, definitely give them a watch. Clerks 3, I'll be keen to see what they do with it. Moving on, we have a bit more casting for Harrison Ford's return to Indiana Jones. Antonio Banderas is going to appear in the next Indiana Jones film. The Oscar-nominated Banderas has signed a deal to join the film alongside Ford, who returns as our favourite archaeologist, in an all-star ensemble that includes Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Mads Mikkelsen, Boyd Holbrook and Jeanette Renee Wilson. For Banderas, the film marks another major franchise. James Mangold, of course, directing. We don't really know much about it, although there are set photos from Glasgow that confirms that it's in the 60s, and at least some of it will be in New York in the 60s. Really interested in this one. It's been good seeing a lot of local filming going on round about the area that we are. There's east coast of Scotland and the north of England, plus through in Glasgow pretending to be America as well. Saw lots of posts on Twitter with people going through and viewing the set and seeing what was going on there. So, yeah, really interesting. Antonio Banderas, I've not seen him in much recently, actually, that I've watched anyway. So, look forward to seeing him in that. And I think... It might have been the article that he sent me over, but I, I saw that he had finished filming an Uncharted as well. So he's obviously going through an archaeology thing at the moment. <laughs> or exploring thing. Banderas just wants to be in archaeology-based stuff. The two Indiana Jones-esque things. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We don't know who he's playing. Is it a villain? Is it an ally? Is it someone else? We don't know. Is it just a cameo? Is he a shopkeeper? <sighs> Could be anybody. An astronaut? Because they'll be doing the moon landing, I would imagine. Don't know. Doesn't say... But he's in it, and it was worth commenting on. Next up, we're back to Star Trek, and they actually seem to be making a film this time. Remember previously where we were talking about how they might be making a film, but we're not quite sure yet. We have no idea. This new film, this new Star Trek film, appears to be returning to the Kelvin timeline, so Chris Pine and all them. It's going to be directed by Matt Shakeman, who did One Division. Deadline here's the film will move at warp speed and begin production next spring. We have a script by Lindsay Beer and Geneva robertson Dwarit. This is significant in that it's the first Star Trek film to be written by female screenwriters. Recent attempts at scripting Star Trek films were done by The Revenant's Mark L. Smith for Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) I still don't believe that's a real thing. And another by Noah Hawley. So there's a list of two (laughs) things that they're not making. After Beyond, I'm keen to see another Chris Pine, etc. cast film. Although I don't know what the appetite for it is. And they seem to spend more time deciding not to make Star Trek films than they'd spend deciding to make Star Trek films. Even at this, I'm sceptical that we're even ever going to see this. But if they're going to start production next spring, then sure. And if they already have a script, then sure, maybe we'll see it. There's plenty of TV stuff with Star Trek, as we discussed earlier. And I think that's fine. I think it belongs on TV more than it belongs in film. Not that the films are bad. A lot of them are very good. Beyond was very good, I thought, as was the first in the reboot. Let's not talk about In the Darkness, because I don't have six hours at the moment. 
to fall down that rabbit hole, but I'm still sceptical because they haven't said, we've started filming, guys, and we're definitely releasing this. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. I'm very much of the same thing as you. So many of these Star Trek films have been announced, or this is in the works, and it's going to feature this and that, and Tarantino's working on one, and this person's working on one. Everyone's doing a Star Trek film. And you're sitting there going, really? Really, really? Well, why have none of them come out yet? They're doing really well in the TV world of Star Trek at the moment. They've got really strong stuff going on over that side. So I'm not sure. I don't think we necessarily need another Star Trek film at the moment. But Shackman did WandaVision, and I really enjoyed WandaVision. So if he's been given the right tools, the right script, and it's interested him enough to take this gig, because I'm assuming that lots of offers have been getting flung his way since WandaVision happened, then maybe it's really, really worth seeing. And hopefully it does go into production. Hopefully. And I can't wait for his interview where he says, ever since I was a kid, me and the family would sit down on a Saturday night and we'd watch the original (laughs) series, Kirk and Spock. They were my idols growing up. And I'm so amped to be working on this project. I'm not saying that that's not going to be a genuine sentiment, but how many times have we heard that? (laughs) The alternate world statement, though, I would also love to see that I hated Star Trek when I was a kid. Oh my god, there was kids at school that loved Star Trek and I just never got it. Anyway, they wrote me a massive check, so here's my Star Trek film right over here. You're essentially describing what J.J. Abrams said when he was making the two that he made. (laughs) He never said, I hate Star Trek, but he always said... I was more a Star Wars guy growing up, so I wasn't so into Star Trek. So I'm just making these Star Trek films because I'm making these Star Trek films. And you have to admire the honesty there, I guess. And I'm not saying that someone like Justin Lin wasn't being honest when he said they had a great connection to Star Trek, because a lot of people do. A lot of people grew up with it. Like us, for example, we have a strong connection to it. And some of my fondest younger memories are sitting down with my family to watch Star Trek. The family that enjoyed it anyway, which is most of them. And it was a great way to connect with them on that and talk about it. We still talk about it to this day. And Star Trek is something that will always be a big part of my life. It will never not be. It doesn't matter if I'm enjoying the newer stuff that comes out. It doesn't matter if they release something I don't like. There will always be something about that franchise that I can go back to and ground myself with. And I'll always be grateful for that. And I can't wait to hear Matt Shakeman say those exact words in interviews coming up, assuming this film actually gets made. Let's assume, let's hope. If we cross our fingers, we can hope that this is going to get made. Because we want another good Star Trek film. We do. Like I say, the TV stuff is going so strong. Maybe we don't necessarily need a film, but I would quite happily receive one. One more go around for Pine and Crew, for sure. Yeah, One more. I'm actually surprised if that is what this film will be. It isn't actually stated in the article that I've got here, but other sources have reported that that's what the film's going to be. It surprises me that they've managed to hold on at least some of that cast for a fourth entry, because Chris Pine is a lot bigger than he was when he started. Zoe Saldana as well, she's a lot bigger than when these films started. A lot of the actors are. Zachary Quinto, probably about the same, to be honest. I don't think he's <laughs> shot into the stratosphere of stardom. And Simon Pegg, it's Simon Pegg. He hasn't gotten any bigger or smaller since being in this. But you know what I mean? They hired a bunch of young, hot actors for the most part to embody these roles. And they were on the upward trajectory on their careers at that point. So yeah, Chris Pine is, I don't know if he's a big star. I suppose he is. Supporting role in Wonder Woman, both films. The male lead, but still a supporting role. And 
he's done leads and other things. He's very good at what he does. So, yeah, one more go around for these guys because Beyond convinced me that there is mileage in this crew after Into Darkness convinced me that there isn't. So well done, Beyond, for getting me out of that dark place and making me want to see more and then making me wait, what, four years, five years for it? (laughs) That's part of the problem with this iteration of the franchise, this film franchise. They seem to spoil any momentum they might have from the previous film because when 2009 came out, people were quite excited about a sequel and then it took them three years to get a sequel out in cinemas your usual time frame for a blockbuster is get the next one out within two years to keep people interested and then after that they waited another three years to hit the 50th anniversary and then we've waited this long for this one so i'm not sure the audience interest will be there and i think with star trek they need to stop spending summer movie budgets on it why not spend a bit less and make a more science fiction driven story that comes out later in the year where the pressure isn't on it to make that much money because as much as we'd love it to star trek's never going to make marvel money it just isn't yeah that's a good point it doesn't need the same money spent on it i would agree with you i think these films do lose a bit of momentum because by the time the other one comes out it's not that you've forgotten the first bit the shines come off a bit and there's not as much oomph and again like I said earlier on, the TV universe is doing particularly well at the moment. And because everything's about joined up and tied in bits, that isn't necessarily the case with these films. So it's not even like the TV shows are adding momentum to the films. Budget-wise and making its budget back, again, I think you're bob on. If you spend too much money on these, they aren't going to make the money back. And that's why the studios become hesitant It's because it's got brand recognition that it does make it through. Yeah, don't make it a summer blockbuster. Make it an end-of-year, October-November type release where there isn't that pressure, where they've spent less money on it, so it's less pressure for it to make a a lot of money. But I do think this one is slated for a summer release, so great. Okay, that's enough about Star Trek. Now up for a sci-fi sequel that I'm not excited about. They are apparently moving forward with a sequel to The Tomorrow War, which is a film starring Chris Pratt, That was supposed to come out in cinemas like a year ago or so and didn't. And then Amazon hoovered it up. I watched it and I thought it was awful. It's one of those sci-fi films where if you apply any thought to what it's trying to do, it completely falls apart. I should have mentioned it earlier when I was talking about what I've been watching, but it's here anyway. So I can talk about it. I think it was dreadful. It has this premise where people from the future come back in time to conscript people from the present day to fight in a war against aliens 30 years in the future because there's only about half a million people left on Earth at that point. So they just conscript people to go and fight this losing war against these aliens. And there's just so much stupidity in it. The people from the future first appear through a time portal in the middle of a World Cup football game. And people just seem to accept it at face value, what's happening. Everybody said this online already, but I'm going to say it again. At what point would you watch this light show happen and not assume it's some kind of stunt by Red Bull or something to advertise themselves? (laughs) After that, it's just, we've accepted this and this is what we do now. Chris Pratt ends up in the future. And before they go there, they don't get put through basic training because what awaits you is too scary for us to show you it now, which is dumb because people are walking into a situation they have no idea about and they're supposed to fight it. It also unreasonably sets up the aliens as being unbelievably scary. And then when you see them, they are not unbelievably scary. And also, without spoiling too much, the film resolves itself at the end. It has an ending. So how you can get a sequel to this is beyond me. Is there another catastrophe 30 years in the future that invokes time travel? I don't know. 
but I don't want to see a sequel to this. It was awful. Well, you've really convinced me to go onto Amazon and watch The Tomorrow War. <laughs> it cost $200 million and it baffles me that it cost that much. I've not seen the first one yet. It received a lot of bad reviews when it first came out. Such as mine. Exactly. It did not jump up my to-do list as a thing to watch. And because I've not seen the first one, not particularly excited that they've commissioned another one. Maybe they'll get to do a bit of a do-over on it. It just doesn't seem to scan from what people have said, so it would probably annoy me. Very possibly. I wouldn't recommend watching the first one. It would be a complete waste of your time, in my opinion. Obviously, it is a time travel-based film, which means we are obligated to include a link in the show notes to our time travel podcast which we either recorded in the past and published in the future, or we've recorded it in the future and sent it back to your pod feed in the past. Whichever one. Yes, our timelines are all over. Whichever one it is. Link in the show notes. We're going to need to do an amendum to the time travel podcast, aren't we? We're going to need to add on all these other time travel ones that we've tagged onto it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, also on Amazon, or coming out on Amazon, we're getting another season of... Good Omens, which is something that I haven't seen. It's going to be filmed in Scotland later this year. And they're also doing a lot of entry-level film production roles that people can get involved in, which is really cool. They want people to get involved at the base level. So there's a lot of job adverts out there that people can get their start in the industry, which is amazing as a idea. Make use of local people and get them a start in a job that they might enjoy. Really cool. But they're making a second season of this. I know a lot of people like the first season, so they're doing another one. And that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned, even though I haven't seen the first season. I do intend to at some point, but I just haven't yet. I'm definitely interested in the whole, we're going to help people get a start in the industry at the same time, because we might as well. Yeah, I saw the same adverts online, and I think that's a fantastic initiative that they're doing. So I applaud the production company and Amazon for going for that. That's fantastic. I'm like you, I've not seen the first season. Despite the fact it got really good feedback, I just haven't had the chance to watch it yet, or keep forgetting that it's there, and then other stuff comes along. So yeah, I will try and catch up with it before season two. I think season one was based on the original source material and then season two is going to be something new. So that's always interesting when it then strays from the source yeah. and goes further over. We know what happened in Game of Thrones land, for example, but with this at least they've got the original offer on board putting everything together. So it should hopefully work. Yeah, we'll see. And related, also filming in Scotland and a Neil Gaiman property, Amazon has ordered a series adaptation of and Nancy Boys, a novel that Neil Gaiman wrote. The author who brought Good Omens to screen for the streamer is writing the six-episode limited series with British comedy legend Sir Lenny Henry. Shooting will begin on the series in Scotland this year. And Nancy Boys follows Charlie Nancy, a young man who is used to being embarrassed by his estranged father. But when his father dies, Charlie discovers that his father was a Nancy, trickster god of stories, and he learns that he is a brother. Now his brother Spider is entering Charlie's life, determined to make it more interesting, but making it a lot more dangerous. It is a standalone story, not a sequel or spin-off to Gaiman's novel American Gods, but Mr. Nancy, who was played by Orlando Jones in the Star's adaptation, does appear in both books, in case you wanted to know that. It sounds cool. I will add that to the list to watch and then take too long to watch it, just like I did with Good Omens. <laughs> yeah, no doubt it's something similar I'll do. It, yeah, it sounds really, really interesting. And yeah, again, another thing filming in Scotland. Yay. Yeah. Another thing. We're finally on the map for more than COVID. <laughs> Last piece of news is Zack Snyder again. He's doing more stuff. 
Snyder has set his next project, an epic sci-fi fantasy titled Rebel Moon, that he is co-writing and will direct and produce for Netflix, the home of his most recent hit, Army of the Dead, which, as I've already said, I didn't like, and it reteams the filmmaker with many creative colleagues from his past original ventures. Snyder is co-writing the script with Army's co-screenwriter Shay Hatton and Kurt Johnstad, who co-wrote 300. The story is set in motion when a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy is threatened by the armies of a tyrannical region named Balisarius. Desperate, the colonists dispatch a young woman with a mysterious past. Is there any other kind of past that people can have? Has to be a mysterious one. Or a tortured one. Or a tortured mysterious one. But anyway, to seek out warriors from neighbouring planets to help them make a stand. This is me growing up as an Akira Kurosawa fan. A Star Wars fan, Snyder tells The Hollywood Reporter. It's my love of sci-fi and giant adventure. My hope is that this becomes a massive IP and a universe that can be built out. Rebel finds its origins in a Star Wars pitch the filmmaker developed a decade ago. It was a more mature take on the universe created by George Lucas and didn't move beyond meaningful conversations after the Walt Disney Company acquired Lucasfilm. At one point, Snyder and Newman, who was behind Narcos, went down the path of making it into a series. He says, I've spent the last two or three years building out this universe. Every corner has to be painted in. I've been doing designs, constantly drawing and really cultivating its fertile ground to make the world fully realised. That's interesting in concept at the very least, Zack Snyder building his own universe. Based on the description of what the story is, I don't think it necessarily sounds all that interesting or original based on that, but I do like the idea of getting as another built-from-the-ground-up sci-fi universe. But I wonder if it'll just be, this is a bit like Star Wars. Since it was originally a Star Wars pitch, you'd think that there's going to be some things that are going to be, oh, well, I can see why this would be some tyrannical empire (laughs) ruling over a colony kind of thing. Oh, it's like Star Wars, but just not quite. Just we've tweaked names slightly, and yeah, there's going to be sword combat, some kind of future sword... (laughs) (laughs) And all this. It seems a shame that if it was originally pitched as a Star Wars thing, that it can't be a Star Wars thing. I would love to know the reasons why it didn't go past conversation and why it wouldn't get reapproached now, considering that Star Wars, they're doing so many things in that expanding universe. It seems very odd for something like this to be turned away. As far as building a universe, recently we've been burned so many times, and I think I've even mentioned it previously in this podcast, with films doing tons of world building up front, because I want this to be an expansive universe. I want people to know every nut and bolt of this universe and how it all functions. And by the time they get to the story, it's too late. They've lost our interest. We've switched off mentally. We're not going to watch the other films. You've got your six films planned out ahead of you already, and it turns out that people didn't like the first one. And that's when it all falls to bits. So, yes, I am interested in the concept. I would love to see it on screen. I'm not particularly wanting to hear that you've got plans for 20 of these things at the other side, or expansive TV shows or back character stories in advance, because in my head it instantly makes me think that this film's going to be a ton of setup <laughs> to try and explain a universe and how it's slightly different from Star Wars. Yeah, be a lot of people sitting around talking about things that everybody in the conversation should already know about because they live in that universe. Hopefully it's a lot of show, don't tell, and that they don't show too much. I like that you've got an idea of how the universe works. I don't necessarily need a documentary explaining all that for two hours, followed by a 30-minute action sequence that ends on a cliffhanger. I don't need that. Yeah, and if you look at 
the original Star Wars movie, it doesn't spend a lot of time telling you the mechanics of the universe. It just makes you go with it, and you do. Mm-hmm. There is the element of Luke is brought into this larger world, as in he finds out about the Jedi and so on, but he still lives in the universe. He's a moisture farmer on a backwater planet, and he doesn't have a lot of experience of what the universe is, but he knows the broad strokes, so he doesn't need all that explained to him. But you can get that through context, and you do get that through context. So I agree with you, that's a mistake made by a lot of modern sci-fi franchises at the beginning, when they spend a lot of time assuming that the audience need everything explained in excruciating detail, where if it's easy enough to follow, if you've done your job right and told your story right, then they'll pick up the basics as they go, and, and then you can explain more of it, show more of it later on. But as long as it serves the story that you're telling and nothing's too confusing, it's fine. So we'll see what this is. Zack Snyder's a very creative guy, so I do have some confidence in this project, even though it might just be a find and replace of Star Wars terms. Replace the word Jedi with whatever my (laughs) equivalent is. Replace the words Darth Vader with tyrant guy that I've made up for this, etc. I mean, the word rebel has made the title, so (laughs) he's gone to a certain extent. Yeah, sure. New sci-fi franchise that we can sink our teeth into, why not? Rather than playing around in ones that we already have, which has its merit. We spend a lot of time talking about those franchises that have been around a long time and they keep making Mm -hmm. other installments in. But there's no harm in having more. There's always room for new stuff. I agree. Good. Okay. Well, that was our last news item. And as we've been talking, I'm sure the Spider-Man trailer has dropped, but it's too late now. I'm not even going to look. I can't look. <laughs> It'll just be upsetting. Ooh, we have to talk about this now. We have to watch this. Not until you're finished the edit. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. So, Chris, thanks for joining for another news roundup to talk about trailers and news and all that good stuff. Lots of speculation, lots of things to look forward to. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Well, that was our July roundup where we talked about a bunch of stuff that came out in the news and trailers and so on in July. I want to thank Neil Stenson for the supplied music and if you enjoyed what you heard then please do subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts basically. If you're on Apple Podcasts please do leave us a rating and a comment. How many stars would we like? All the stars. All of them. Every single one. Give us all the stars you can. All the stars. Or if not, leave a comment explaining why. Leave a comment anyway. Just tell us things. If you want to talk about anything we discussed here or anything else really, you can catch us on Facebook and Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or you can leave us a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk And as always, I hope you'll join us next time on Neil Before Pod. <laughs> <laughs>